Let's podcast. Woo. We're going to be concise, Esther. <laughs> so concise. <laughs> and welcome to the podcast at Dawn's house because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. I'm Aoife and guesting today is uh, Fiak who is our junior member. Um, Because it's late and he's a junior member he's not going to be contributing his opinions on the Babysitter's Club just sort of occasional squawking noises. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the club baby Fiak. Yay! And (laughs) yay baby! Most relevantly he has the same birthday as the Babysitter's Club. Which is the most dedicated fan behaviour any of us have ever pulled mm-hmm. off, or ever will, I would say. So well done on that, Aoife. Incredible planning. I mean, <laughs> I put a lot of effort into that. Definitely. And it paid off. Yes. It's very impressive. He's extremely cute. I got to see him in person. It was great. <laughs> I'm very jealous. And more importantly, I got to bring the new mother a box of ding-dongs. Yes. Uh, because we discovered a very small, very, very well-stocked Centra shop in the middle of nowhere in Kilkenny that has a whole shelf of um, Hostess products. Um, so this is the second most important thing that happened after Aoife having a baby in the last month is that I got a box <laughs> of ding-dongs. Um, it's cultural research. They're weird, okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, don't spoil it, Aoife. We did, um, <laughs> she did do a review for me. We're going to put it up on the the only fans or whatever. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, paid promotional content, I think we need to thank some people. Yes. Oh my God. So we um, were contacted by an extremely kind listener named Michelle who asked if we had any sort of like tip jar functionality and we didn't, but we set one up. And so we would like to say thank you very much to Michelle and everyone else who has donated there. Uh, we are at the podcast at Don's house on, I don't know how you pronounce it. Is it coffee or Kofi? It's the thing that people have tip jars on. You know the thing. I always thought Kofi because it looks like lo-fi, but not. I, I always uh, in my head pronounce it as Kofi, like Kofi Annan. But also oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be coffee. <laughs> it's a very jarring way to spell coffee. Anyway, Michelle is definitely a real person, okay? Yeah. <laughs> this sounds like a really fake origin story for having a coffee. Yeah, it, it also um, did like... But we're very grateful to her. this crisis. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, where we were like, why should we accept money? We do this for free. And then we're like, no, we don't. We pay money for this. And then we realised that Karen and I hadn't paid Esther back for any of the money in a long time. So, you know, thank you, Michelle. You helped us to improve that. <laughs> Yeah, club yes. dues are owed. Yes. <laughs> from, from us. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm bad with money, but I had been paying all the hosting fees for over a year by myself and had <laughs> completely forgotten to chase these guys up for any money. So yeah. 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 I'm I'm the Marianne and the Christie of this podcast, but I'm definitely not the Stacy. <laughs> I am not good at running our finances. I run our finances, but I don't do it well. You're kind of a dawn. <laughs> Yeah. That's it. In this yeah. book, we get another, like, for, for somebody who allegedly is writing a series of, like, books aimed at tweens um, that doesn't contain a character who is embezzling, <laughs> yeah. it really seems like there's a character in these books who might be embezzling. 
<laughs> that started out as our head canon, and I think now it's just actual canon. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's very close to the surface subtext. Yes. Like it's it's really just bubbling there. We should talk about this we book actually. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we've done the world's clumsiest solicitation for funds, <laughs> like we're, I knew we were going to be bad at that, and. Even I'm impressed by how bad we were at it. To be fair, we didn't actually ask anyone for any money. We just said we have one of those things now. We We just left the rest unsaid, implied. We're Irish. That is the closest we can physically get to asking for money, is (laughs) saying that there exists a system through which one could donate money. I mean, I'm blushing. I can feel my face turning red (laughs) as I say that. Please don't give us money unless you have like random spare cash yeah. and a desperate desire to for some yeah. reason give us money don't like don't yeah. don't, don't, a, don't feel you have to do yeah. that there will be no content that you don't have access to we are not spending an awful lot of money to make this podcast we're spending a little bit of money to make this podcast <laughs> because we love doing it it's fine yes we also don't have an only fans <laughs> yes no we do have a running joke about it, the only fans but we do not have an only fans that's probably not changing. or a patreon and if eating a ding dong is not going to be paywalled. No, that's not that interesting. Just like the ding dong. I don't know. I I haven't tried a ding dong yet. We could we could do one with me for the OnlyFans. I I should be clear that for some reason we accidentally got um caramel ding dongs, which may be substantially different to original. Um, but yes, I guess you'll just have to watch the video wherever we decide to post it. <laughs> all right then okay the book <laughs> the book okay that's it ding dong content out of the way for now uh today we're talking about babysitter club number 39 poor mallory um f- which for once is a justified sentiment mm. uh i did read this one as a kid and i actually remembered loads of bits from it uh mm. what about you guys me too yeah i'd, I'd read this lots yeah i had read this once in someone else's house and i don't know if i mm-hmm. finished it Ooh. Okay. So there were things that were familiar. I had definitely read it. I knew I had. I remembered the plot line, but only read it once. Yeah, there were like a ton of lines and moments in this that stood out to me. But most importantly, this is where I learned the expression pink slip. Oh yeah, me too. To mean getting fired. And I was intensely confused because I thought they meant the item of lingerie. (laughs) And I was like, why is the boss giving people pink slips and why is he so upset at the idea i mean i know he wouldn't wear it but he's got like a wife and a ton of daughters and i'm sure it would fit one of them but this is a really weird thing for the workplace to be doing maybe when you get fired you have to clear out your desk and carry all your stuff in a cardboard box and leave while wearing a pink slip over your clothes it's a ritual humiliation i think i learned about pink slips from look who's talking Hmm. oh wow that's that's very period appropriate isn't it? Mm. At the start of it, she's like, she thinks it's her payslip and she's like, oh, it's pink. That's festive. And then she realizes she's fired. <laughs> oh, no. Like, uh. if I were like, hey, Jor, I would simply not have the firing letter be on a distinctive color. Yeah, putting it in a fun color just seems kind of insult to injury. I mean, I assumed that was the point of it. Like there's, there's, I mean, there's an awful lot of elements of this that, and the whole um, system of employment in the US and (laughs) elsewhere, but particularly the US where it's like, it does seem like, let's, let's add insult to injury. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. Good point. 
Well, yeah, we shouldn't be giving the employers of the world ideas about making people wear embarrassing lingerie um, <laughs> as a humiliation because somebody will definitely get that idea. But I also don't think there's probably a lot of employers listening to this podcast. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Hi, Elon. <laughs> um, so our cover art is... Um, I love the American cover. It's great. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. It's full of life. We've got Mallory sitting by the pool at the Delaney's and lots of kids having lots of fun in the pool. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just so colourful and like cheerful and Mallory is looking all wistfully off into the distance. (laughs) Mallory looks maybe a little bit older than Eleven, but that's the only complaint. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's competently executed and quite nice. Yeah, there's like, there's so much going on. And there's a recognisable scene as well with a specific number of children as well um, yes. in the pool, which is not always the case with the <laughs> the UK covers. Yeah. I think I must have had this one. I think this is the one that's more familiar to me. Um, also, Mallory is not a mole person. I just love that. I know. <laughs> For She's gloriously human. <laughs> we might have to wait until another super special before we get a, a, a mole, a molery. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, how has it taken us this long to come up with Molary? <laughs> yeah, I think the Molary artist only does super specials. Yeah. They hire them in special. I don't know why, but they do. <laughs> <laughs> they did a job lot at one point. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why do you make this one little girl look like a mole person? Don't question my vision. Okay. <laughs> yeah, th- this is my process. Um, actually, the UK cover is is pretty good yeah. too. Um, yeah, it's fine. She's actually, you know, <laughs> this looks like an actual recognisable specific person. <laughs> yeah, uh, age appropriate and everything. It, it could work for many covers is the only thing. It's quite unspecific. It's She's sitting it's on a bed looking, yeah, looking kind of pissed off, um, which is fair. Mm-hmm. It's an issue book cover, basically. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and this is an issue book. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's appropriate. It's not like... um. Stacy's mistake, which looked like an issue book and was actually a like fun romp, and everyone has a fight in New York. <laughs> yes. book. It's like, yeah, this is like there's there's nothing to make fun of on this cover. It's just a tween girl looking fed up in a book in which a tween girl is frequently fed up. That's the cover. It would be quite a good poster. You could you could put a lot of like text on that. Um. <laughs> yes, <laughs> maybe an ad for a I don't know some kind of product or helpline targeted at teen girls yeah <laughs> it does look a bit sad teen hotline yeah it definitely does. oh it's like um you know uh, eva is really sad because all her friends have selectric typewriters and she doesn't <laughs> eva is a fucking nerd <laughs> yes there is no typewriter in the picture for good reason. <laughs> I once asked Santa Claus for a surprise and Santa Claus brought me an electric typewriter and I felt extremely <laughs> let down. I bet you were surprised oh, though. <laughs> Aoife is extremely disappointed because she asked for a surprise and she got a, a typewriter instead. She didn't ask for a fun surprise. That was her mistake. <laughs> this is why modern Aoife is very specific. <laughs> she talks about things. I had expressed some interest in it, I guess, in a shop. But like, <laughs> it was a passing whim. Santa was supposed to know that. <laughs> Santa doesn't know what's in your heart. He only reads your actions. <laughs> Santa's got a hundred million other letters to answer. He's a busy man. 
what's the point of being a god worshipped only by children if you can't get this shit right? <laughs> Touché. So I just would like to say before I forcibly redirect the conversation back to this book <laughs> that we took a solemn vow this morning that because Aoife is literally breastfeeding her child while we record, we would keep it succinct <laughs> and be really on topic and focused this time. <laughs> well, you guys did. I openly mocked the very concept immediately. I didn't even pretend to believe it. Nobody vowed anything. I suggested it, hopefully, and you mocked me thoroughly. <laughs> like you laughed sardonically in text form for many texts. <laughs> to be fair, when I said, and then it's time for succinctness, I was joking. I knew there was no chance. <laughs> We were recording for a minute and a half, as Esther noted, before we got around to introducing ourselves. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. The book. It's going to be one of those episodes. It usually is one of those yeah. episodes. The thing is, we have to also start with a version history controversy that Esther has noted, yes. which is really important and you all need to hear about. Oh my God. Yes. So this is, this is, there's, I don't know, Karen, you're the, you're the academic who's good at like texts and textual integrity and all that kind of stuff. Maybe you should take the take the wheel on this. Uh um I mean, okay, if you insist, although you did spot it. So um this book starts off with Mallory and Jesse walking or cycling bikes or something um walking along singing rude songs and a whole chunk of the songs have been redacted in one case possibly because the subject matter was not really gruesome, but kind of implied gruesome. And then in the other case, we don't know, except that the subject was underwear, which maybe <laughs> is a sensitive issue nowadays. Well, I did, no, obviously I didn't realise there was issues with that, but I did go look up both of the songs and I have the lyrics pasted into my notes. Okay. Oh, wonderful. There's nothing sensitive in the underwear song. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so we're really curious because what we all have is the American ebook edition. Uh, which is what's available on both Kindle and Apple Books here. Uh, none of us has actually a paper copy from back in the day. So please at us. We're very curious about this. Um, if any of you guys have paper copies, either American or British, um, we want to know if you have the full text of these rhymes. So the underwear song, we just have the first line of it. Aoife, do you want to give us the full rhyme? So the full rhyme is... To the tune over there, which I don't know the tune of. Underwear, underwear, how I wish itch in my woolen underwear, how I wish I'd gotten a pair of cotton so I wouldn't itch everywhere. BBDs make me sneeze when the breeze from the trees hits my knees. Coming over, I'm coming over in my gosh darned itchy woolen underwear. <laughs> Scandalous. Yeah, we literally just have underwear, underwear, how I itch in my woolly underwear. BBDs make me sneeze when the breeze from the trees hits my knees. There's a chunk missing and that was definitely in the edition that I read as a kid because these these poems have haunted me ever since. <laughs> I frequently still get the Johnny Rebex machine song stuck in my head <laughs> to like a made up tune that I made up when I was a kid. Um, so this is like, this has been cut since the 90s and we are very mystified and we want to know why and how and who. There were two editions of these books. Mm -hmm. They all did get new American covers with 90s fashions rather than late 80s fashions, kind of mid-90s rather than late oh, 80s, sake. early 90s fashions. So they Erasure. might have done something <laughs> to them in that time. Although I think we might have got the mid-90s versions, not the, but depending on age. 
Yeah. I mean, this only came out in 1990 anyway, so. Yeah, it was later that they changed them, I think. I want to say 94 or so. Also, it's really annoying that um, the next line after Mallory and Jesse have sung a couple of lines out of this song is, that's it, you got it, I said. That's the whole song. No, it's not. Yeah, like, they're very obviously, (laughs) even without the context, it was very obviously not the whole song. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it's very short as is. And it is very, very specifically not the whole song. And that just feels like Scholastic Mm. is rubbing it in our faces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then we've got the Johnny Rebecca's Machine song. (laughs) Uh, where again, Mallory just sings the first two lines. Aoife, do you want to give us the full the full text in all its glory? Oh, this song is considered sensitive and contains lyrics that may be offensive to some people. Please speak to a parent or guardian <laughs> for fuller further help. Wow! <laughs> all right, let's call our mothers and get back this to this. Wrong. Well, just give us the first verse, I guess. Away out in the forest, there lived a mean old rat man. His name was Mr. Johnny Rebecca, and he could surely plan. All the neighbours' cats and dogs were always at his feet. So he invented a machine that turned them all to meat. (laughs) (laughs) All right, keep going. Hey, Mr. Johnny Reback, how could you be so mean? We told you you'd be sorry for inventing that machine. All the neighbours' cats and dogs will never more be seen. They've all been ground to sausages in Johnny Reback's machine. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. So yeah, that, like that second verse, or is that the chorus? That's the chorus, I think. The second verse is one day a boy came walking. He walked into the store. He bought a pack of sausages and placed them on the floor. Then he began to whistle. He whistled up a tune and all the little sausages, they danced around the room. <laughs> <laughs> I assume this is the tune. Could be, yeah. Ooh. One day the darn thing busted. The darn thing wouldn't go. So Johnny Rebeck climbed inside to see what made it so. His wife, she had a nightmare <laughs> while walking in her sleep. She gave the crack a great big yank and Johnny Rebeck was meat. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you, bussongs.com. Amazing. Do you remember the age when, like, it was really useful social capital to know a bunch of gross songs? Yes. For some reason, I was trying to get, uh, I was trying to just, like, keep Vic from screaming. And I ended up singing He Jumped from 20,000 Feet Without a Parachute. That's absolute one of the classic of the gen. And he ain't going to jump no more. It's to the tune of Glory, Glory, Hallelujah. (laughs) It's Glory, Glory, what a hell of a way to die. Yes. Yeah, he landed yeah, yeah. on the runway like a lump of strawberry jam. <laughs> <Jesus>. Oh, Cubs. <laughs> Guy who was in school with us left after like first year and spent a year in the UK and came back to Ireland, rejoined our school with a stash of incredibly rude songs, which I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember. And he would just come out with them at random intervals and he'd be like, Keith, stop. <laughs> Teachers around. Nice. <laughs> we need to hear the full thing later. I think, I think I remember a distinct like graduation from the gross songs, like that's mm. Johnny Rebecca's Sausage Machine or he jumped for 20,000 feet without a parachute mm-hmm. to the rude songs. <laughs> yes, yeah. that was ex- that was what they were. Yeah, the club leaders would let you sing the gross songs, but the 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 rude songs were to be sung when no adult was listening. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, violence is permitted, but sex is not. <laughs> I remember there was one song, and I never actually learned the lyrics to it, other than it was um, down the back alley where nobody goes. Mm. I saw Aoife picking her nose. She picked and she picked and no, she picked so no. hard. Um, it's about a met a woman down the back alley where nobody goes. <laughs> and she was what she was dressed in, like all in. I think one of the ones was all in check, all in check. I broke her bloody neck. <laughs> but I don't know. So it is some sort of preteen mm. murder ballad. 
Um, but <laughs> yeah, I think there's an implication of like that the, the lady was a sex worker. But I never actually worked. I nobody ever. T- I never got all the lyrics of it ever. I should Google that some stage. Yeah, I bet the club leaders weren't too keen on that one. Yeah, no. Mm. Yeah, I'm innocent. I only know the gross version with nose picking. <laughs> Shall we move to page two? Anyway, we're happy that this is very accurate because people of this age do indeed share gross songs with each other. Yes, <laughs> but yes. So Mallory is singing the Johnny Rebeck song to herself, but she. All she says is, oh, Mr. Johnny Rebeck, could you be so mean? I told you you'd be sorry for inventing that machine. Then it says, suddenly I realised just what exactly I was singing about. Ew, gross, I said out loud. Wow. <laughs> Which makes no sense without the rest of the verse. Very unspecific. Um, yeah, this is, uh, apparently Mallory is just a Luddite and she's grossed out by the concept of machinery. <laughs> I, I, that's why I googled it. I think if I had been reading this as a kid and it didn't have the lyrics, I would have been really, really confused because the internet wasn't invented yet. <laughs> Eventually, after many, many minutes of digressions by us, Mallory gets home mm-hmm. and the house is kind of quiet and Claire says that her mom got a phone call and seemed very upset by it and sa- then said she had a headache and went off to her room. So Mallory goes up to check on her and her mom says that uh, Mr. Pike's company is downsizing, basically, and everyone's getting pink slips on their desk. And it is not a fun lingerie giveaway, uh, (laughs) but people are losing their job. And he hasn't been there very long, so he is uh, vulnerable to getting fired. So Mallory uh, goes down and explains the situation to her siblings and they start to worry about it. And her mom says that um, they do have savings, but they might burn through their savings pretty quick. And anyway, that money is supposed to send all the kids to college. And then I thought about how much it would cost to send eight kids to college in America. And then I felt physically sick for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just yeah. I just felt very bad for the bikes. I mean, if they actually had enough money to send eight kids to college, they would not burn through it particularly quickly. No, <laughs> they're, they're they're getting in before it gets really bad, but it's still going to be bad. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, <laughs> tell them all to go to college as early as possible. <laughs> do a Doogie Hauser on it. <laughs> if Mallory and Vanessa and the triplets do well out of college, they can put together enough money to send Margot to college. <laughs> <laughs> Claire should become a plumber. They always need plumbers. <laughs> like, just go to trade school, That's guys. True. It's probably yes. a better... <laughs> Really lucrative. Plumbers make fucking tons. <laughs> she should definitely be a plumber. <laughs> anyway, so they they fret some, uh, but we don't. And Mallory wonders about what kind of things will they have to cut back on if her dad gets fired. But uh, the story needs some suspense, so we don't find out yet if her dad got fired. So Mallory goes and calls Jesse to talk about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Jesse says that, you know, maybe maybe it'll be okay and try not to worry too much for now. So Mallory decides to pass the time by lying on her bed and thinking about who all is in the babysitter's club <laughs> mm-hmm. and their life circumstances and what how many ear piercings they have. <laughs> so, I mean, what else would you do? Like, she describes herself and then reflects that she has braces and she hates them, but maybe if her dad loses his job, he won't be able to afford to keep her braces on. <laughs> She's like, hmm, there could be an upside to this. No, the worst case scenario is they can't afford to have them taken off. (laughs) You're stuck with them until you're an adult and can pay for orthodontics yourself. Oh, God. God. Yeah, she, um, 
so she tells us about everybody. She tells us about Jesse. Um, she says, for reasons I haven't figured out entirely, some people didn't want another black family in our community. Mallory, bless her, is just not very, um, mm. yeah, N- not, not very aware. No. Anne is trying so hard in this book to make Babysitter's Club slang happen. Oh, yes. yeah. This, this is, book goes this hard is tough on it. going. But, you know, I think that <laughs> so it makes hard. a lot of sense that the person who is trying desperately to make Fetch happen is the 11 year old who desperately wants to be cool. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Christy has the most incredible family, or as she would say, the most dibble family. Dibble is short for incredible. My friends love to make up words. Another word meaning dibble is distant. The opposite of dibble and distant is stale. I remember these three specifically. And I took Mallory at her (laughs) word when I was reading this out of sequence as a child. and was like, okay, this is established. That's fine. It's not. It's not established at all. This is the first time we ever hear dibble and we're going to hear it so many times in this book. So many times. I mean, the thing is that actually young women are the prime creators of slang and this is younger women and also women of color contribute like way above their <laughs> above their weight culturally so i refuse to blame jesse for dibble and distant and stale yeah. this is not jesse's doing jesse is busy i hate dibble i think jesse provided us with at least one but not it, not dibble dibble is really annoying distant is the, distant is and less, stale are fine like, the reason i hate dibble is because we don't say incredible. Yeah. We say incredible. (laughs) And I really hate short versions of words that ignore the stress pattern in the word. It Mm -hmm. really does drive me mad. (laughs) I hate dibble. Dibble is not short for incredible. I hate this word with the full force of my linguistics degree, (laughs) says Eva. (laughs) Maybe there's no stress on dibble and we're doing it wrong. Maybe it's like, that's so dibble. (laughs) (laughs) That sure, let's go with that. <laughs> like Julian DeBell, who's a, <laughs> a theorist who apparently pronounces his name in a really annoying way. Really? Sorry, Julian. Does he pronounce it DeBell? <laughs> DeBell, not, not DeBell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no stress on this word at all, in nowhere, no place is there stress. <laughs> oh my god. God, yeah. So Claudia is dibbly sophisticated and chic, and her jewelry is the height of dibbledom. <laughs> um, we, yes, we hear that Claudia has two piercings, or she has one piercing in each ear and a second piercing in one ear. Christy doesn't have pierced ears, neither does Marianne. Um, Stacy in her pierced ears, often wears earrings that Claudia has made for her. Mm-hmm. Claudia has referred to Stacy as the queen of dibbleness. No, she didn't. She never said that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that. <laughs> it was implied. Mallory's just writing fan fiction, basically. Yes, yeah. she is. <laughs> yeah, how would we know if, if this was all fanfic they wrote about each other, we would never know the difference. Um, That's very true. I, in this description of Claudia, um, she the things she hides in her room include malamars, potato chips, red hots, etc. That's a good mixture of different types of junk yes, food. It's better than the constant <laughs> stream of baked goods with like fake cream in them. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> These things are different. <laughs> I've had red hots and they're very hot. <laughs> are they like American cinnamon? Like the kind of cinnamon that burns instead of being cozy? Yes. Yes, they're Ugh. They're the murder cinnamon. <laughs> you know the way 
everything in America has a cinnamon flavor. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was in America years ago and I bought cinnamon toothpaste because I hadn't brought toothpaste because I'm an idiot. And I kind of kept using it when I, I noticed like my lips were a little sore after it sometimes. <laughs> oh no. But I kept using it when I went home because I was broke and I didn't want to waste it. And I noticed my lips were a little swollen and red after it. <laughs> oh, no. And then one day I used it and my lips swelled up so much I couldn't go to work. <laughs> oh, my, oh my god. And then I threw the cinnamon toothpaste in the bin. <laughs> so it's like, I have one known allergy. It's just something that's in cinnamon toothpaste. <laughs> Mint would never do that to you. Mint has never done that to me. These days they would market that as like a beauty hack. Um. <laughs> yeah, I don't think like the risk of anaphylaxis is like in a past that passed the FDA or whatever. Have you met beauty hack people? You know the Kardashians would get in on that. <laughs> They'd oh, like it the would FDA be a TikTok trend or something. Yeah, that. absolutely. The, the Gen Zers would be lashing that stuff on their lips. <laughs> if you just get a pleasant, slightly uncomfortable tingle on giant lips, that's okay. As long as you're not no, going to hospital. It, it looked like a really botched plastic surgery job. It was awful. <laughs> no. it, was, it was terrible. And I had to go to the doctor and I rang the, like whatever the nearest doctor was because I'd never been there before because I was in my early 20s. And um, they were like, now, you haven't felt your throat closing up, have you? And I was like, no, I would be ringing an ambulance if I had felt my throat closing up, not a GP. I think <laughs> some people are actually afraid to, you know, and I'm not casting shade at all. I think this is more like there are people who are like, ah, I have a rash, I'm going to call an ambulance. And then there are people who are like, but I'm not actually dying yet. So maybe I'll just see if I'm better in the morning. No, that's fair. Yeah, I don't want to make a fuss. Yeah, there's a mindset that's like, I'd rather just die quietly from not making a fuss than be mildly embarrassed by making a fuss. Like, I have have definitely had that thought process in the past. I mean, I've had the thought process as well, but I'm pretty sure the, oh no, I'm not going to be able to breathe any second, I would override it. Yeah, I hope so. Or like, I don't know if this bone is broken. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, maybe I can walk it off and then if it's still sore tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) An obstructed airway is generally, yeah, worrying enough that it would override that but i really don't want to go to a and e right now <laughs> you, you probably can't walk that one off yeah. anything where you know you'll be fast tracked if you go to a and e it's grand you definitely call yeah. the ambulance for that but if you're going to be there for 24 hours like just stay home for 24 hours and see if you die or not it's fine <laughs> yeah yes um on, on the topic of medical issues we get another shout out for stacy's poorly managed diabetes oh my gosh get this woman to the hospital I know. I think we haven't established that it's it's just she's going through adolescence. Her body is changing. They're trying to keep up with it. And they're, you know, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of trial and error. Rather this than... is the first time, though, that the stakes have been dangled in front of us because Mallory says that if Stacy doesn't keep a lid on her diabetes, she could go into a diabetic coma, mm. uh, which actually does feel like foreshadowing for Stacy's emergency, which I think is a mere five or six books away so you know <laughs> i'm dying to get to this book it had better be the most fucking action-packed thrill fest of this entire series <laughs> for how much groundwork has been laid for it i'm pretty sure i read it that's the thing i'm pretty sure i read it because i was super into like hospital drama so <laughs> yeah you would stuff. be i remember it well enough that i know she was doing a needlepoint on the train to new york so <laughs> there's <laughs> i don't think i've read it i'm i'm 
coming in very naively and I'm very excited. There's also a, a scene in which she discusses hospital bed sheets. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait, you guys. I remember a few things. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna love it, guys. Can't <laughs> wait. There is an oddly phrased sentence here where uh, Mallory says Stacy can't eat sweets except for controlled amounts of fruit, um, and I, that feels to me like maybe there's another phrase missing. She can't eat sweets or any type of sugar except for fruit because you. I, that I would make more sense. Class sweet fruit. Yeah, fruits are not yeah. sweets. A sweets. They're the opposite of sweets. If or even if it was Stacy can't eat sugar except for controlled amounts of fruit, that would also make sense. Yes. But yeah. The- <laughs> yeah. Mm. And after what was done to us on the first page of this book, like, I don't trust this text at all. No. I'm, I'm viewing <laughs> this book as an unreliable source. I'm picturing an intern photocopying it for the Kindle edition and being like, yeah, <laughs> yes. there's some bits missing, but it's grand. Yeah, whatever. Like, it's fine. It's close <laughs> enough. No one's going to read this. Like, who's going to read this book? It's a pulpy kid lit in the middle of a series from 30 years ago. Yeah, middle-aged podcasters across the world. <laughs> we need this text to be faithful. <laughs> yes, anything could be scrutinized in future. There's an entire <laughs> community of us. Oh. We should, yeah, we sh- we really should reach out to all the other Babysitter's Club podcasters and ask what's up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, all I have else to say about this chapter is that Marianne's father used to be dibbly strict with her. I know. <laughs> That's a weird one as well. That's like an overextension of so incredible means both brilliant and I can't believe it and she's using it in the yeah. second sense whereas I yeah. assumed that dibble was just for things that are great just means good. Yeah, dibble yeah. is not short for incredible as intensifier it's short for incredible as adjective which actually fits with the idea of Mallory just being a try hard trying really hard to make this yeah, slang happen and using it slightly wrong well that yeah that's why I kind of think like Jesse might be working out the slang and Mallory is just enthusiastically seconding it without <laughs> much skill. <laughs> like, you know, in the manner of white people everywhere. I was going to say, like, what white people on the internet do to African-American English all the time. Yeah, yes. exactly. That's the- and, and then white people from other countries don't even know it's African-American English. Yes. Like me, constantly, frankly. Like us. Sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just like, it's internet slang that I read on Tumblr. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it's it's the drag race to Tumblr pipeline slang. <laughs> yes. So Mallory goes to the meeting at Claudia's house. And uh, today's featured junk food is Malamars hidden in Claudia's jewellery box. I googled what Malamars are and I want them. They sound amazing. They look They're like good. a tonics tea cake, but with graham crackers as the base oh. and dark chocolate instead of milk chocolate. Yeah. Like they sound like everything I like. That looks brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love, they I look love those really good. Can you still get them? Oh, it has. Uh, They're seasonal. Apparently they only come out once a year. Ooh, in September. Okay. Yeah, that seems fair. Amazing. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I want in on that. I'm interested in the type of marshmallow as well, because there's different different kinds that's true whatever the type is it used to melt which is why they didn't use to sell it in the summer months ah. these days refrigeration has been invented but also they <laughs> like the scarcity value you know that it's a thing, like cream eggs yeah, yeah cream eggs. A, a cookie that you have to refrigerate as well is kind of a um like an, an added layer of faff so maybe it does yeah it makes sense um, it sounds amazing though I, yes i, I need yeah. these i want it on the malamars this the bit where mallory is like 
debating with not debating with Claudia. She's discussing the hiding place for them, and it's really complicated. I just love the scene. This was so funny. Like, did you guys? Did you guys read this? Bit? Yes. Ooh. Yeah. That was one of the bits that kind of very much. I was like, all came flooding back to me when I read it. Yes. I, th- yeah. I think this is one of the hallmarks of an Anna Martin novel where there's like quirks that you don't get. So it's actually written by her. Um. So like. She's trying, Claudia's trying to find them. She can't find them. And Mallory's like, oh, did you put them in your hollow book? Oh God, I love a hollow book. Oh my God, my favorite thing. Um, But uh, so Claudia has one and she says, no, it's not, they don't fit in there. I've tried, let me see. And then she checks, finds her jewellery box, which locks and takes the Malamars out of there. Um, And Mallory says, how did you fit the Malamars in there with all your jewellery? I didn't. I had to take out the jewellery to make room. And I put it, oh yeah, in my pencil case. I was going to ask Claude where she had put the stuff that was in her pencil case, but I decided not to. I just, I just love the yeah. whole sequence. <laughs> it's just, yeah, a delightful bit of business. <laughs> you could see Nancy Drew reconstructing this <laughs> segment yeah. by segment. I have important character development marked here. Um, Mal and uh, Jesse have moved on from gum wrapper chains to paperclip chains. Yeah, hmm. they, they're developing their craft. Also, is this the first time we've actually seen Claudia and Mallory get on? Yeah. Because they have not liked each other in the past. No. I think this is the most positive interaction we've seen from them. Pretty much. Occasionally, Claudia has said positive or friendly things, or Mal has said positive or friendly things when everyone is kind of being like praised, encouraging to each other, sort of thing. But basically, I've always got the impression that Mallory does not think much of Claudia. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I, I think they have found a common interest and it's junk food. Yes. <laughs> Which is nice. So they have their meeting. Mallory explains how the club works, etc., etc., etc. Yes, we have a mention of Stacy. She's a whiz at math and she loves money, even if it's really club money. Sometimes we even have a little trouble getting her to part with it, but in the end, she always does. <laughs> <laughs> does she? I was like... Has anybody done an audit, though? No way. <laughs> yeah. Like, th- there needs to be some kind of oversight here. <laughs> Call in KPMG <laughs> to do this for you. <laughs> yes. Um. Oh, yes, we get some news from Dawn, who tells us that Mrs. Prezioso is having another baby. Mm-hmm. And they wonder how Jenny is going to react to being a big sister and having to share everything. Mm. So I think there will be brat behaviour ahoy in a future book. And we look forward to that. That will be an adjustment. Yes. And then we get a call from the Delaney's and Mrs. Delaney is going back to work and is becoming a real estate agent in the habit of bored rich ladies everywhere. (laughs) Well, just in America. Um, And... So she needs a recurring babysitter three times a week uh, for the next month. Mm-hmm. So Christy provisionally signs up for that, but Mallory would also have been available. So Mallory goes home and her dad has in fact lost his job. This is the first time it had occurred to me to wonder what happens when people need babysitters where, for slots to take place during the meeting. Which is actually three times a week. And yeah, yeah, maybe they're just not available at all. Maybe it's like, no, you can't. I think they're not. Done. Yeah, I think they're not. Because nobody people, ever misses People just know better. This must be a real point of conflict, inner conflict for Christy, because like, <laughs> on the one hand, everyone needs to go to the meeting. But on the other hand, they also need to go out and like bring in, bring home the babysitting bacon. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. which you mean candy bacon. I mean, so narratively, it has been convenient to just never have anyone need a sitter between yeah. 5.30 and 6, Monday, Wednesday or Friday. Yeah. I mean, nobody's doing anything at, you know, early evening on a Friday night. Nobody would be going anywhere. <laughs> I have always wondered that. Like, always. <laughs> The thing is, actually, the parents in this never just need a babysitter for a date night. Mm. They always have to go to a cocktail party or a fundraiser or a basketball game in the next town over. They're never like, we just want to go out for dinner and just talk about adult stuff for half an hour. Um, yeah. Like, that that seems unrealistic to me. Well, they're all going to swingers parties and they need something that sounds plausible. So they have elaborate backstories instead of just being like, oh, I'm going down to Mario's and I'm going to eat some pasta. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going out. To do glamorous yeah. things. I mean, like, yeah, we're going out to. I mean, what was the th- what was the, the most glamorous thing that I used to just think sounded incredibly fancy when I was just a dinner dance? Oh, yeah. yes. So sophisticated. <laughs> Somebody in a book I read went to a dinner theatre um, thing. Ooh. And I was like, that sounds so cool. You eat and watch a play at the same time. That's crazy. I want to go to that. <laughs> I don't know why I was that um, invested in the notion of dinner theatre. I mean, like, <laughs> it is pretty cool because food is good and so is theatre. Yeah. <laughs> it was this kid's book about this, like, bored young boy um who needs a summer project so he and his friends start a, a think tank <laughs> they run a consultancy over the summer and they charge people to help them solve problems it's brilliant i must rem- try and remember the name now actually that sounds amazing that rings a bell it might be one that i had looked at in the library and not got out it involves a hot air balloon and um tubing on the delaware and a few other things. It's very good. Amazing. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, and a whole tribe of unruly Canada geese. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this sounds like a romp. So Mallory's dad has lost his job and Mallory opines that the people who run his company are really stale. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Mallory's dad is feeling pretty cranky and doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Even though they have called everyone together into a room to talk about it. Yes, I'm not sure Mallory's dad was on board with the whole family meeting concept, but but here we yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, he's having some feelings, <laughs> which but is you yeah, know. legit. Yeah, yeah, he, he's being crappy, basically. There are a few points in this where he's a bit curmudgeonly, but on the other hand, like, he has just, he is going through some stuff. And also he, he has eight children in his house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I would go through like even the smallest crisis with like eight children skirmishing around me. That said, they behave unbelievably well, exceptionally well. So yeah, they really yes. do. Yeah, they they enter a crisis mode, and like, even the triplets cop themselves on. Like yeah, the four year old, yeah. like or rather fi- the five year old, is like is so good. <laughs> like they're all they're all great. I'm very proud of the Pikes. They are they're absolutely their best selves for this book. They are. We get another Dibley, though, uh, because <laughs> Mallory's mom, Mallory's mom speaks up and tells the kids that they need to pull together as a family. And Mallory is like, sometimes it's nice to have a mother who speaks her mind. Other times it is Dibley horrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, this does not work at all. Please just stop, just let stop. it go. Which is it in this case, anyway? Like, I think the mom is being useful. Yeah. I think she approves of what she does this time. Yeah, I hope so. I think. <laughs> 
um so yeah she basically like she she outlines the plan and explains like that they're gonna have to cut back on Mm -hmm. like toys and junk food and whatnot um and she announces that she's going to work because she can type and use word processors. So mm-hmm. she's going to go do some temping. Yeah, I think that's cool. Um, I hope that she goes off to like retrain in IT or something. For I want to know more about her history with computers. Yeah, because yeah. like, not everyone's mom in 1990 knew how to use a word processor. No, they don't have one either. Like as far yeah. as we know, there's no mention of it. So yeah, she just somehow has these. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know. I want to see her full CV. I want to know where <laughs> yeah. she got these skills. Mallory's dad is being a bit of a piss baby about this. Um, yes. He's not happy that she's working. Um, and I want to feel sorry for him, but also like, come on, man, she's on your side. Like, be supportive. Yeah. She's she's also like really stepping up um, to the very necessary. Um, <laughs> like, you have eight children, man. Yeah. Well, what do you want her to do? She's had six hours notice that she has to rejoin the workforce. Uh-huh. She's doing a stellar job here. And it, it does sound like she starts out trying to be, um, she's conscious that her husband is feeling a bit threatened and um, yeah. she's trying to be soothing about that. So um, uh, yeah, he he says in this meeting, kids, I'll be in charge when your mother's at at work. He said gruffly, I'll expect you to listen to me and behave. Why wouldn't we? I wondered. And now, in fairness, Mallory, you will, but the fucking triplets are who he's talking to. So, like, don't take that to heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll probably only work a couple of days a week, said Mom apologetically. Right, said Dad shortly. Mm-hmm. I didn't pick up on any of this when I read it the first time, but, like, yes, mm-hmm. he's experiencing a little crisis of masculinity. <laughs> well, now we know yeah. where the triplets get it. And I mean, he's only <laughs> just know, right? been laid off. It's only it's so recent. Um but this does continue for a while. He does he does seem to be like really in bad form about the whole Yeah. yeah. Not it's not him being laid off that's the problem. It's like okay, that is the problem, but also he's kind of mad at Mallory's mum for Yes. Yeah. Yeah, fully for like stepping up and helping mm-hmm. in this group problem that is all of their problem. Yeah, Mr. Pike is being a piss baby and the kids are afraid of him because he's being so cranky. Mm. And uh, fuck Mr. Pike, basically. So the kids have decided to form the Pike Club, which is them brainstorming uh, in an actual productive cooperative manner instead of fighting with each other and talking about ways to save money and um, to sort of help things go smoothly in the house. Apparently, what the Pikes need to come together as a group is terror. So (laughs) maybe this is like all those people who look back fondly on the war TM as, you know, the best time in their lives (laughs) because it brought out the best in them. This is their blitz. Yeah. I shouldn't joke about that in some ways, but yeah, no, that's what's happening here. Um, And Mm -hmm. yeah, all of a sudden they're they're working together and um, being a team, which is nice. I'm also appalled that up to now they've apparently been using two Kleenexes at a time every time they blow their nose. What the hell? Oh, it's like, yeah. Those might are well already multiply, guys. Blow it on paper money, why don't you? Yeah. Maybe not in the 80s. Maybe there's a... Anyway, we don't <laughs> know anything about them. If anyone has a vintage box of unopened tissues, <laughs> you know, DM us. Let's move on. <laughs> Thank you, Karen, for keeping us on track. <laughs> Where is your sense of consumer cultural curiosity, God? <laughs> A minute ago, you were yelling at us because we're only still in like the third chapter. 
<laughs> Let's wait until there's a decodering episode about it and move on. Yes. Willa Paskin, <laughs> come help us. Chapter five, you guys. We're doing so well. Oh, wait, hold on. Mallory also called and broke the news to Jesse and Jesse said it was stale and I needed to mention that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. A few days later, um, her mom has joined the temping agency. Mallory's parents are still um, struggling. Her dad is still being a cranky pain in the ass and her mom is being very apologetic. And the kids are just trying to stay quiet and stay out of the way. And not use electricity. <laughs> and not use electricity, yes. Um, they... BSC knows what's going on and Christy says that Mallory can have the recurring babysitting job with the Delaney kids yeah. instead of her because she needs the money more, which is very nice. They're also being very good and checking in on her and just seeing how, how she's doing and stuff and like how how yeah. is the family, you know, <clears throat> which I find is always way more useful it, it you know, in a, when there's a scenario happening than people politely not mentioning it, which is terrible mm-hmm. usually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're being mm. lovely. And yes, they're being good. Christy has even worked out like transport for Mallory to get over to the Delaney's house in the Millionaire mm. District and Charlie will give her a lift home and it's great. Um, and Mallory even bravely agrees to babysit Jenny Prezioso, which she says <laughs> makes her feel like a soldier volunteering to cross enemy lines or do something else <laughs> equally dangerous. I don't think we see that scene. <laughs> I presume it passes without incident. <laughs> Like, I, I know she's kind of bratty, but she's four. I mean, she's now working for the Delaney's for the next month, and they're notorious. Like, Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Stacy is the only one who has conquered the Delaney's so far, so. I love that the Delaney's are still kind of afraid of Stacy in this. <laughs> yes, yes, that is great. <laughs> and then Mallory explains that she's also having some trouble at school because someone who we haven't heard of before called Nan White and her friend Janet O'Neill are making fun of Mallory because of her dad getting fired. The Cokie and Grace of sixth grade. Yes, there, there obviously exactly. has to be Cokie and Grace. I do think we don't know very much about Mallory and Jesse's grade, so it does kind of make sense that we haven't mm-hmm. heard about them. Oh, yeah. Mm, you'd think they'd have specifically made fun of Jesse, though, because there were bullies in that period. Anyway, yeah, I won't speculate. They've just been invented, obviously. Well, <laughs> uh, and maybe they're just classist, but not racist. You never know. <laughs> uh-huh. We can hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah a more wholesome kind of bully they're all like black lives matter but not poor people <laughs> there's a very specific spot on the venn diagram that we're prepared to support look i'm sure there are people like that yeah most people who have lived through the last several years are like uh-huh yeah no they are racist though <laughs> I, I think they're probably racist yeah, they're probably racist. <laughs> I'm grasping at straws here. I was going to say anyone in, in Stony Brook who isn't openly anti-racist is racist, but that's kind of also true for everyone. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not just a Stony Brook thing. Anyway, um, these racists have also teamed up with two girls called Valerie and Rachel, <laughs> who Mallory used to be kind of friends with. Mm. Um, but Valerie and Rachel are now also making fun of Mallory for her dad losing his job and saying that um, their dads have never been fired. I do think it's kind of harsh that everyone refers to this as Mallory's dad being fired when actually he was made redundant, which is like quite a different thing. Yeah. Um, But I I think maybe in America, it's not really the same thing to a degree. Well, I mean, I think it is this, because I specifically mentioned some stuff like severance pay, but like mm -hmm. 
in America, um, most states are at will employment states. So mm-hmm. there is no difference. There isn't like the mandatory consulting, you know, consultancy period and you don't have a reason to fight to sack someone. So you just tell someone you don't have a job anymore, whether it's redundancy or. Fire. Yeah. Yeah. But like being fired is like, you know, it has connotations of punishment, whereas being yeah. made redundant is like nobody's fault. Like, yeah, being fired is disciplinary. Being made redundant is just this company cannot afford to employ you. Goodbye. Uh, some time ago, I had a discussion with someone from the States, and I can't remember who this was, but who was earnestly trying to explain to me that um, the at-will employment thing um, wasn't actually that bad because everyone knew it could happen at any time, so it was much easier to get another job. <laughs> and I was like, I'm pretty sure. Now, I am not fully au fait with all the intricacies of the American job market. But I'm pretty sure that that's, it's still really fucking hard to get another job anyway, anywhere, at any time. It's a ball ache. And <laughs> yeah. secondly, also, I know that this is shit. I've heard much, of, a lot about it. <laughs> like, it is, it's, it's, it's a, it's hard to be employed in the States, I'm told. No, no, sorry. <laughs> Living in a climate of fear is great, actually. So... <laughs> Yes. That's you told. What? How? How could it make it easier to get another job just because it's also easier to be fired? It, not that it's easier, but that it was. It somehow balanced out because people didn't judge you as much for having been fired for your, from your previous job. R- right, but like nobody judges you for being made redundant here because companies downsize sometimes. Yeah, they would only judge you if you actually got fired as a disciplinary, and you still have to look for a job. Yeah. Yes, and you also then get cut off from a bunch of things you need, like your healthcare, frequently. Yeah. Uh, whereas here, this person yeah. is a gobshite. I I thought that at the time. I can't remember who they are, but whoever you are, if you're listening to this, you're a gobshite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that has been our editorial stance of the week. Yes. Someone. Is a gobshite. <laughs> gobshite. At will employment sucks. At will employment yes. is terrible, and most of your employment law is terrible. Um, and like, just move to also, the EU. Also, we're in like... favor of universal healthcare. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I, a lot of the reactions to like, so my folks, I, I'm talking from a place of extreme privilege because various reasons, but also I had two parents who both worked and both went through periods of unemployment at different times, but like not overlapping necessarily. You know, here, I'm not saying it's nothing to lose your job, but you there's more leeway. There's more supports. Um, and I still can still go to hospital. And yeah, if, if I had come into school and announced to my entire class that one, like my dad had lost his job, They've been like, oh, and some people would be like, oh, that sucks. Sorry, you know, there, there, yeah. there wouldn't be bullying. This seems yeah. nonsense. Yeah. Like, why do these kids care? Um, like, it's yeah. I think that the worst reaction most people would have had would be kind of what a boring fact to learn about you. Your dad's out of work at the moment. Like, yeah. So, like, I maybe maybe it's a maybe like Stonybrook is Stonybrook is a really white bread town though. Like, yeah, it's very white. I mean, I grew up. <laughs> the I grew up there were always <laughs> people in my class whose parents were on the dole. Yeah, like, there just always were. Yeah, um, that's just a thing for various reasons, and sometimes all the time. Um, and that was normal, but I bet that's not really the case in Stony Brook. No, if full employment, I don't know, 
as an economic term, certainly for Ireland is considered 95% of the eligible adult workforce. Yes. Uh, so there's always 5% of people who are just between jobs. That's that's how it is. That's how it works. Like, yeah. there's always someone who's told who's come in on Monday and told their boss, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> or also said, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to move on to something else. Thank you. It's been great working here. But some of them have told their boss to fuck themselves. <laughs> Inside but you know what that means. Fuck you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's not that weird for people to lose jobs. And I don't understand why no. these 11-year-olds are so invested in it. It really yes. isn't. Yeah. Very white bread No, it's very strange. It's like, my guess is like that it's just, yeah. These people are different. If you want to bully Mallory, there's other stuff to pick on her for, quite well, honestly. Yeah. Like the Frankly. fact she won't stop saying dibble. <laughs> Maybe she does that inside her head too, which... She frankly should restrain it to inside her head. <laughs> yes, it's an inside thought. Mm-hmm. With the horse fan fiction. Anyway, the babysitters are supportive and they agree that Nan, White and these other girls suck. <clears throat> and and they're right. Hmm. They they right. Chapter six, Mallory's going over to babysit the Delaney's and she's taking the bus with Christy <laughs> to the Millionaire District and we get a shocking insight into what it's like to travel by bus. Uh <laughs> Two kids behind Mallory and Christy are smelling each other's gym socks and talking about how bad the smell is. <laughs> and Christy is like, just close your eyes and wait for it to be over. <laughs> and they they get off and Christy kind of warns her that the Delaney's basically suck and sends her off to deal with them. <laughs> um, I'm delighted to find that the Delaney's still have the fish fountain in yes. the foyer. Yeah. Uh, it's wonderful. There's, and I hope they never get rid of it. There's a book in which Karen and somebody, possibly Amanda Delaney, pose as the fish and like stand in front of it to take photos and pretend to spit <laughs> this. It must be Amanda. I think there's like an introduction to Amanda where they don't get on that well, but then they kind of come around to each other's way of thinking and she learns that Amanda is has enough of a sense of humour to pretend to be the giant goldfish fountain, <laughs> which nice. is the only acceptable thing to do yes. with the giant goldfish fountain. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, Mrs. Delaney shows Mallory around the house. Um, they have a terrifying space age kitchen, uh, which <laughs> if it were today would be full of like Bluetooth internet of things appliances. <laughs> uh, Mallory yeah. is very afraid of it. Oh my God. You'd have to download apps to babysit nowadays. <laughs> oh my or God. You wouldn't you be able would. to turn on the lights and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> or like open the fridge. Oh my God. You can imagine like, the 11 year old or 13 year old going over to somewhere like the Delaney's house and then being like oh well this will only run on the latest iPhone (laughs) (laughs) you have a Samsung um yeah I I don't know just like crackers I guess mom this babysitter is not compatible with our household literally (laughs) (laughs) upgrade her (laughs) Oh oh my god. Um, Mrs. Delaney uh, performs the ritual of telling Mallory how to contact the paediatrician. And then she explains that they just got a swimming pool put in Mm -hmm. and that outrageously um, (laughs) the kids are allowed to use the pool uh, when there's only a babysitter to supervise as long as one of the next door neighbours is home to like do CPR in an emergency. Like, yeah, I I hate everything about this and we're gonna have to just accept that this is it. But like, it's terrible. 
This is terrible. This is yes. terrible swimming pool protocol, and I hate it. Do they even check if Mallory can swim? No, she volunteers that she can swim, and Mrs. Delaney's like, oh, cool. cool. Yeah, <laughs> You're the help. I mean, You're not fine. here for... <laughs> yeah. No, no, but like, if the children start drowning... I think Mallory's just supposed to throw herself in. If the children start drowning, Aoife, I expect my children to survive for long enough for one of our classy neighbours to come over and do CPR. (laughs) And if not, then, well, perhaps it's natural selection. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Now I'm off to Aspen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is just like, like, all jokes aside, this is hands down the worst parenting we've ever seen in this series. (laughs) And like, I, I, I can't dwell on it anymore because I'm going to get so mad if we do. We've Fair. just, you've just edited the um, Island Adventure one. And I wonder if Anna Martin just has no concept of water safety at all. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just pulling this stuff out of her ass. Like, <laughs> yeah. Maybe she comes from like Arizona and she's just <laughs> never encountered water at all in any capacity but that's a thing i hear they have in connecticut so i'm gonna write about it (laughs) yeah i'm sure it's fine i'm sure you just like drown real slow so someone can go bang on the door and wait for the neighbors to answer the door and get the neighbor to come over and do cpr on you oh my god okay (laughs) fuck's sake all right the kids get home um and mallory tries to give them a healthy snack and they're having none of it and (laughs) Amanda says that they get Coke and Oreos for a snack instead and Mallory lets them get away with it because that means she can get Coke and Oreos which she doesn't have at home at the moment and I salute her. I remembered that, and yeah. Then, that's a good, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Flexibility, yep. Then they ask her which private school she goes to which is another thing that I remembered and they're like, <laughs> "Wow, you go to public school, you say? <laughs> How unorthodox. Then they tell her that the cat was $400 and <laughs> I'm I'm delighted that that's still a thing. <laughs> They're still telling people that. <laughs> oh my god! And Mallory's like, "How many? How much groceries could you buy with four hundred? <laughs> with four hundred dollars? <laughs> yeah, you could buy about you know a few months worth of cat food for the damn cat like, who waltzes into your backyard. Is that's how you acquire cats? Sorry, I was going to say, yeah, hours. cats are free and a lot of the time they just show up themselves. Yeah. yeah, And then you spend millions on vet fees and cat food. That's how it works. Uh, well, yeah, as, as Mallory said, at least her dad only has a wife and eight kids and a hamster to support. <laughs> I love how she always includes the hamster. It's really yeah. important. And as Aoife has explained, hamsters can be a money-making enterprise in themselves. <laughs> they really should have got another hamster over to oh. stud. And that would have solved their financial problems. Um, I think I did point out that that was when my parents were paying for the food and bedding. Oh, good point. And I was only buying the uh, doing the capital investment in the hamster itself. <laughs> so the babies were pure profit for me. At the oh age my of god, Aoife, you're every rich young entrepreneur who's like, actually, I got seed money from my rich parents. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> that was how I became a hamster tycoon. Yes, and you used that money to buy your first house. Uh huh. <laughs> Between avocado lattes. <laughs> probably probably I spent the money on babysitter's club books <laughs> oh god your ill-gotten gains <laughs> well maybe she should join forces with, with Jessie who has you know the the other hamster so they can they'll just have to share 
yeah, that was what I did a lot. I would, I would be like, you know, which of my friends has a male, which of my friends has a female, and let's, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Figure program. something out. <laughs> well, they'll just have to share the costs between them. You know, you have to spend exactly. money to make money. <laughs> It's an investment opportunity. You can get in on the ground floor of this edifice of hamsters. There does need to be a pet shop nearby whose owner is stupid enough to buy back baby hamsters and a pound a baby. <laughs> I talked to this pet shop owner, but he only pays Irish pounds for some reason. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> I don't know. Let's not do it. The exchange rate is real, real bad. Okay, let's go back to the book. Okay, so various kids turn up uh, to swim in the pool, and Amanda uh, lets everyone in except for the kids who don't know how to swim. And Amanda is really mean in turning them away. And Mallory tries to give her a talk about not being a jerk, but Ma- Amanda is not really paying attention. In some ways. They can't if they can't swim. That's this is the only form of responsible swim control that we're seeing here. Yeah, so, no, she's not yeah. telling her to let them in. She's just saying to like be nice about it, which yes, is fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, she is definitely flexing on them. Amanda's like, no, I'm no, I don't do nice. <laughs> Your name's not on the list. You're not getting in. It's like Mallory, if you want friends, get a dog. <laughs> I can't afford a dog all I can afford is a hamster that pays its own way <laughs> also Amanda can't, does want friends as it turns out okay yeah. yes spoiler that was a plot point sorry um, next chapter Stacy has an unexpected Saturday job at the Delaney's mm. and yes it turns out the Delaney kids are still terrified of her because of her like elaborate reverse psychology maneuvers that she pulled on them before and it's delightful. I love it. I think the only reason this happens with Stacy is because Anne enjoyed that dynamic so much. She wanted to get Stacy to do more of it because <laughs> it is very funny. Yeah. That's yes. entirely fair. <laughs> and she's right. When Amanda whines for a snack, Stacy offers her a healthy, balanced meal, and Amanda's like, "Ugh, never mind. God, <laughs> you're so weird." <laughs> Stacy tells them they quiz Stacy about her income and lifestyle basically <laughs> God these kids are awful yeah. what does her father do and how much does he make and Stacy Stacy valiantly resists the temptation to tell them that her dad makes enough money to buy a $400 cat <laughs> she should have said it yeah, she really should have said it they appreciated that they would have been like oh you know <laughs> that's a yeah. reference we can understand yeah <laughs> You're speaking our language. So some more kids turn up to swim, um, including someone called Angie, who has a diving championship coming up and wants to practice her diving extensively in the pool. But after a while, um, Amanda and Max get bored and they want to go do something else. But the other kids all just want to play in the pool. And... So Stacy says that they have to get out of the pool and the other kids all leave when they're not allowed to swim anymore. Mm-hmm. And Amanda and Max are incredibly hurt because it had not occurred to them that the kids were only there to use the pool and they thought they were actually over to hang out with them and their lovely winning personalities. <laughs> and they're shocked. Um, Angie pointedly tells them that she's going off to find someone else who has a pool. <laughs> Angie yes. is vicious. <laughs> Um, Angie gives no fucks yeah Angie gives no fucks at all uh, Karen Brewer of all people like 
smooths over the situation and she still wants to play with Amanda and so they go play dress up but Amanda's heart is not in it. (laughs) The specific game they're playing is called Lovely Ladies which has a totally different connotation if you're familiar with the Miserable and I was like oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not familiar with Les Miserables. You know me in musicals. Uh, well, do, do you want to enlighten me? It's so, yes. Um, is it sex workers again? Be, yes, yes to be sex workers. Fully. It's always yes. sex workers. <laughs> no, it's not, though. There is a specific game. Um, I can't remember what it is. It's it's a dress-up game, but yeah. it's. <laughs> I guess Anna Martin was more familiar with Starlight Express than Les Miserables. <laughs> <laughs> or she might have chosen a different... <laughs> A different title for this game or maybe not yeah <laughs> i remember as a kid being kind of appalled by this whole friendship issue that amanda and max are navigating because i would 100 percent have hung out with literally anyone who had a pool in their backyard i would have been absolutely <laughs> shameless about it i would have been those other kids and i was like oh is that bad I guess I should feel bad about that. Luckily, the situation is never going to come up because no one in Ireland has their own pool. But uh, yeah, I I totally see where Angie's coming from. I can't yeah. see you like leaving in a huff when they said you had to get out of the pool. I think okay, you I probably wouldn't have done that. That you also yeah. then had to hang out with the kids. If one of my neighbour friends had suddenly got a pool, I would suddenly realise that I had always loved them passionately and they had been my best friend from birth. And actually, I understood <laughs> them like nobody else and we should spend all our time together at their house. Not at my house, at their house. <laughs> I think most kids would. I think the difference is like having the social graces to be like, oh, I guess we need to do non-pool stuff now. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to being like, no, I'm only here because of the pool. I don't like you. Yeah, those kids are shameless. I remember a lot of um, childhood friendships encompassing a lot of complexities, like things like hanging out with people that you didn't necessarily like all the time, but they kind of, they were there and you needed mm-hmm. kids to play with. So that was yes. okay. Um, yeah. And there, there would have been a mix of things. Even if you had really disliked them, you probably would have wound up playing with them some of the time. Um, yeah, true. So this is, this is very cut and dried. This is literally these kids will leave when you tell them to get out of the pool. And I think that's somewhat unusual for like <laughs> kids under the age of 10. <laughs> yeah. Also, there is the fact that the Delaney's are pains in the ass. And like, yeah, that's probably that's like a factor a, here. An, an exacerbating issue. Because like, yeah, if it was somebody who is nice that also had a pool, you might be a bit disappointed if you couldn't go in the pool, but you would also then play with them. Yeah. yeah. I think like, they, they don't want to hang around with the Delaney kids for their good conversation <laughs> to hear about how much their cat cost again. I would go out and buy a $600 cat just to spite them. <laughs> Do you know, this is why Karen gets on well with Amanda because Karen does need friends, but what's more important is she needs a foil. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, she can provide all the character and personality and conversation that's needed you know and the, <laughs> she just needs an audience yeah yeah. Hard, yeah an audience exactly it. she needs someone to bounce off mm-hmm. so yeah but but she is actually on her bed like she's at her best here good for karen she's actually smoothing over a social situation yes. as opposed to precipitating an incident <laughs> yes <laughs> which is good karen is, is being very pleasant and conciliatory in this and unusually thoughtful <laughs> only accidentally but yeah <laughs> yeah look let's take what we can get yes definitely. um so time goes on and 
Mallory's mom is doing some temping and her dad is going through all the want ads and making phone calls and not getting a lot of responses. And Claire is upset because her dad is spending all his time job hunting and she really wants to get a Skipper doll that she's seen on TV. This was also the first time I heard of Skipper and I thought it was like a sea captain. And I was very weirded <laughs> out to find out that Skipper was just like a little girl. <laughs> I mean, a skipper doll with no context does sound like a sea captain doll. <laughs> it's like, God, she really... actually, if they were still really into sailing like they were a few books ago, it would make sense for her to want a sea captain doll. But no, that is not mentioned here. <laughs> no, everyone's done with sailing. We'll never hear, yeah. hear or speak of there, sailing again. There's no talk of them selling their boat, for example, to like make up some money. <laughs> I guess they didn't actually own the boat. They just peasants borrowing it from the civic and or community centre. I thought it, that book specifically said the Pikes had a boat, though, like that it was theirs. But and a boat is famously a hole in the water you put money into. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why their savings are not doing so great. Yeah, because they spent on the boat for some reason. They put all their money on boats. Like, yes. To fit eight kids on a boat, you'd have to have a pretty big one. <laughs> yeah, like that's not. Oh God. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. <laughs> anyway, everyone's forgotten that they're really into sailing in this. Uh, and, and in all their talk of economies, there is no mention of doing less sailing or anything like that. Um, maybe sailing is just non-negotiable item in their budget. But uh, <laughs> Mallory's mom is typing and filing and answering phones. And Mallory feels that this sounds better than housework. And yes, mm. it turns out that her mom enjoys word processing and likes computers and seems to know a lot about them, which Mallory too is surprised by. Mm. So yeah, I want to know everything about this. And like, maybe she's in those Usenet groups with Janine. Like <gasps> she has a whole other life. She's a mom on the net. Yes. <laughs> she's a mompreneur. She's there on ARPANET. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a military thing, but <laughs> maybe... <laughs> There was military. Cell. I mean, it was the one of the internet predecessors, precursors. Yeah, I think non-military people got in on it. Like, eventually. like it was universities as well. I go one of them was ARPA, one of them was DARPA, and I don't know which is which. I don't know that much of the about the early days. Of the I think DARPA. I yeah, I was gonna say something, but I'd just be pulling facts out of my ass. Never mind. I was about to be like, maybe DARPA was military, and the D stands for defense. I have no idea. I just made that up, so I should stop talking. <laughs> so, not to flex, but I did have a chapter on this in my PhD. It, <laughs> like, Ooh. um, although it it mostly starts at using it. No, I I think um, ARPA is 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 literally like generals texting each other and be like oh you smell um no, it's, I, i'm sure it's much more uh, formal than that um I, it was definitely military um she's definitely on usenet with janine that i that part i 100 yes. percent agree with maybe janine is teaching her to code <laughs> but they only know each other as like you know <laughs> by their screen names they have yes. no idea who each other is in real life i was gonna say as crash override and zero cool um <laughs> yes I was trying to think up like names on the fly and I don't have the capacity. Oh, these are the names from, from the movie Hackers. Uh, okay. Jolie and and um, Johnny Lee Miller's characters. <laughs> Janine is Crash Override and Mrs. Spike is sure. zero cool. <laughs> She's like eight plus. <laughs> so while her mom is living her best hacker life, mm -hmm. um, her dad is getting discouraged uh, because it's just the same 
jobs listed over and over in the paper and he just has to wait around for interviews which sucks Mm -hmm. then he has a bit of a like dark night of the soul for a few days she finds him uh not looking for jobs but watching tv wearing jeans and a t-shirt and decrepit slippers um he's been shame eating crackers (laughs) and he is drinking a glass of something (laughs) this is the the least dramatic like collapse that we have ever seen a character endure other than the implication that the something is alcohol that he's drinking when like in the middle of the day it could be a pepsi (laughs) this is just me like yeah on a normal day (laughs) except the tv is youtube videos but like come on is he does he normally wear a shirt and tie on weekends what do we expect of this man yeah like jeans and a t-shirt and slippers are extremely cromulent job hunting clothes like I, i know he further degenerates to wearing his pajamas in the daytime but like I don't know what her issue is at this point. I lost my job. The first thing I did was buy a pair of slippers for unemployment purposes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a job hunting expense. But you had presentable new slippers. These are your good work slippers. Yeah. It was like I didn't own slippers and I was like, oh, I'm not going to want to put shoes on every day. <laughs> I guess this is a time when women regularly wore high heels to do things like grocery shopping. <laughs> Whereas nowadays people are like refusing to leave the house if for work purposes. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I fully support that by the way I'm, that's not a criticism yeah <laughs> you know you and Jorts take that corporation to the cleaners like <laughs> insist on your right to work from home um, yes. in your pajamas or nude just turn off your zoom camera yeah Mr. Pike is just sort of previewing the pandemic aesthetic and yeah. he's also been un- unemployed for a week and he's applied to all the jobs so yes let him watch daytime TV this is yeah this isn't the problem. It's like certain aspects of his attitude towards the other people that live in his house are kind of worrying. But like, yes, having drink, drinking a drink in front of the TV is not <laughs> a red flag. <laughs> yeah, but the worst thing is he's not even trying to solve the puzzle on the game show he's watching. I think that's, that's what's meant to be really worrying. <laughs> Straighten up and fly right, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's also been, I think, snapping at Claire and yeah. mm. um, not fixing her a proper lunch, uh, which, you know, is a bit bad. Um, the next day, he Mallory catches him wearing t-shirt, jeans and decrepit slippers again. <laughs> um, so obviously he's, you know, just basically become some kind of cave troll. Um, <laughs> and then, yes, at his lowest point, he's wearing pajamas and a bathrobe and he's watching a soap which is the ultimate degradation i mean we all know that the only things you're allowed to watch are sesame street or 60s sitcoms but True. he's right there watching fucking days of our lives like some kind of monster <laughs> or stephen king movies yeah this is the first time <laughs> they have ever mentioned soap operas in yeah like this show yeah. they don't exist yeah yeah even when mimi was watching daytime tv as part of her rehab it was just wheel of fortune yeah. Did you guys notice that Mallory had solved the question and just wanted to tell us what it was, by the way? that um... Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. she, he didn't even try to solve the problem. <laughs> that I solved. Yes. <laughs> While judging him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he didn't go to collect Claire from kindergarten, but he got um, Mrs. Perkins to collect her instead. So he organised a carpool. Yeah. Which 
isn't that bad of a thing, but it also does seem to be the final straw here. Yes, this is a very, very, very wholesome but low-key nervous breakdown that he's having. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Like he 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 organized backup childcare. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is a monster. This is kind of what you tell people to do now. Yes. It was like I I'm having I'm I've reached a point where I feel like I'm not coping very well. Can somebody help? <laughs> yes. He yes. reached out for appropriate support from somebody who wouldn't be massively inconvenienced by providing that support. Like <laughs> Yeah, he did okay. Yeah. Yeah. If he wasn't so cranky, it, it yeah, it would be fine. But also yeah. he's being really cranky and annoying. He's, he is being a dick. It's it's a funny one cuz like he's He's being criticized for the th- the for certain things that are not that bad. Yeah. And the other elements of it. Thankfully Mrs. Pike calls him out on them cuz yes. Mallory doesn't recognize what the real issue is here. Yes. It's interesting. I think um Mallory is experiencing this quite differently to her mother, which obviously is like cuz she's yeah, a child and all sorts of reasons, but um uh she's feeling very threatened by her what her dad is perceiving as well, which is the loss of masculine patriarchal mm-hmm. status. Whereas the mom is like, I'm actually more worried about the finances and the running of the household. <laughs> yeah. I I don't care about what this means. I just need you to fucking clean up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, um, so yes. Yeah, she's she's right and she should say it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, co- that conflict is brewing. <laughs> yes. So yeah, she... Um, she confronts him and says, I cannot work all day, come home, make dinner, clean up the house and help the children with their homework. Yes. And Mallory tries to apologize for not doing the cleaning. And she's like, no, it's not your fault. Uh, and then she turns to Mr. Pike and says, it's your job. When I go to work and you stay at home, then you keep house just like I do when I'm at home. Excuse me, replied my father. <laughs> um, Mallory sensibly bails at this point and they have a quiet argument, but... Um, Clearly her mother has like got him to cop himself on. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. He puts on whatever professional clothes are appropriate for housekeeping and looking for job ads in the newspaper. <laughs> Listen, I expect you to wear a tie when you're cleaning my house, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? We have standards in this house. It is 1989. <laughs> and you will polish your shoes and hoover the floor for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she she approvingly notes that um he's pulled himself together and worn shoes and he's cleaned up and he's made spaghetti sauce and he's doing crafts with the kids. But mm. then Mallory worries that what if he's gotten too comfortable at home and he doesn't find another job and he's enjoying it. Dun, dun, dun. Mallory is yes. now having a crisis of masculinity, I think. He's up to his elbows in macaroni and Elmer's glue doing a project with Claire. And like, that's so wholesome. It <laughs> yes, <is>. it's great. <laughs> anyway, Mallory calls another meeting of the Pike Club to discuss the fact that her father is <laughs> adapting alarmingly well to being out of work. <laughs> the terrifying spectre of house husbandry is looming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She needs to connect with the triplets to get a healthy dose of misogyny. <laughs> she she just honestly wants to um she wants to resume the 
phase of life she was in where she didn't have to worry about money anymore and she's worried that her parents are like she's gonna have to adapt to a new future in which the main earner in the house is a temp yes (laughs) i mean yeah i was thinking a lot about this book and i was like oh there's it 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 seems very pedantic to say it fails to critique the capitalist workplace enough. I mean, it's, it's an 11 year old speaking to kids about that age. Um, yeah. And actually, that's not really what the messages in this are about, but it is. No. It, it does like Mallory is so relieved when we return to the patriarchal status quo, which, like, okay, it that does make sense though. So, but I mean, you also could have done a happy ending where her mom lands a full time job and actually they can live off her earnings and her dad is happy at home. Um, Like, that could have been quite interesting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, uh, it turns out she's a programmer, um, you know. And that's way too progressive for Studybook. (laughs) Yeah, I just said word processing because you're 11 and I didn't think you'd understand what it is I actually do for a living. (laughs) Yeah. What she does is actually sell things on the 80s dark web, but. Regional snacks. She's the one who's bringing all those regional snacks into Stony Brook. <laughs> That's way more wholesome than what I was picturing, but okay. <laughs> um. So anyway, it turns out that the triplets are also being bullied by mean kids at school. Mm. And Nan passed around a note and then left it for Mallory to find that said, Mallory's going to be on welfare. Mm-hmm. And Mallory is like, That's not true. And Anyway, it's not something to tease about and lots of people go on welfare. And then Claire goes to ask Mm. what welfare is and Mallory does not want to have to explain this. So luckily Jordan butts in. Like, here's like, oh, Mallory is going to go on the dole. What's the dole? Oh, well, the government pays you some money to help you while you're job hunting. Or if you're not able to. It's not a long, complicated explanation. It's not a dirty word. (laughs) And it's not a complicated concept. It's like, the government gives you some money to help out. Yeah, yeah, like, no wonder people are shaming her for her dad losing his job if the notion of going on welfare is something so horrific you can't explain it to a five-year-old. Um, yes. It, yeah, anyway, yes, I know things are different. I mean, it's also just hilariously privileged because, like, mm-hmm. lots of kids know what welfare is. Yes. It's fine. I don't think there was an age when I didn't know what the doll was. Like, yeah. there was... I guess no one yeah. in Stony Brook is on welfare. Like, yeah, I, I actually not. think, like, nobody in Stony Brook is less than comfortably middle class. Like, yes, we have never seen a poor person. I think there might be an issue book with a poor person at some point. This like, is the book. This is the only one that I know of. And it's like a temporary and yeah, not that poor because they never We're actually... temporarily embarrassed. Yes. <laughs> but actually, it turns out fine. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Claire could have handled the truth. It would have been fine. <laughs> also, the bit where Claire says, I still want Skipper. Um, uh, Mallory says, I know you do. Skipper will have to wait, though. And Claire says, yeah, silly Billy Goo Goo. I was like, oh, <laughs> silly Billy Goo Goo actually translates to fucking hell. <laughs> like, that's why they're so like down on Claire saying that. It's <laughs> Oh, OK. I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. Yeah. It's it's her euphemism. That yes. makes that yeah. It's very satisfying <laughs> and I love it. She's like uh, Mallory Silly What did you call me? <laughs> you better in your room, young girl. <laughs> so they fantasize about punishing their enemies. And <laughs> then they decide that it's not enough to save money, but they need to come up with some ways to earn money. Um 
Mallory explains the concept of mortgages because apparently you can explain those, but not welfare. Yes, mm. mortgages are not stigmatized. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> They're very complicated to explain to a small child. They're much harder to explain than the doll. Like, I, yeah. Yeah, it's not about how difficult the explanation is. No, I know. Five-year-olds must not learn about socialism. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I just... Uh, there's, a, there's a lot to unpack here and I don't want to see any of it. Yeah, <laughs> no. Have you noticed that, like, the Pikes experience the stigma of it being known that Mr. Pike has lost his job, but nothing to do with actually being poor? Because yes. they, their yeah. income never actually drops off to the point where they have to suffer anything worse than not getting junk food in the like yeah. the weekly yeah. shop. Uh, also, junk food is cheap compared to health. But anyway, not going to go into that. Um, so it's like this is the a very 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 sanitized take on an issue. That's exactly uh-huh. what I was thinking. <laughs> like, yes, let's not have anything actually upsetting of the type that probably a lot of your readers have experienced. Yeah. Um, yeah, like not having lunch at school or something. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is not a harrowing... Mallory is not going to be able to milk this for a misery memoir in 20 years. This is mm, not yeah. a harrowing true life tale of deprivation. I mean, it's very like the whole, like, suddenly we have to deal with racism, so new characters show up to be racist and we don't have to deal with being anybody we actually know. Um, yeah, we're gonna and have they're an issue, also just but, yeah. passive aggressive and we don't actually see any real like incidences of harassment or anything mm-hmm. also the racism is fixed after a book or two yeah <laughs> yes it just it just stops the way racism does issue books are not Anne's forte at all um, yeah like no e- elements of this are better done than some of the other books like definitely there's a strong emphasis on solidarity and on actually modeling the type of behavior that you should display towards your friends who are going through hard times and like that's great Um, but the actual hard times are (laughs) not as hard as maybe no they're just sort of textured yeah (laughs) it's fine yeah Uh, yeah there was an attempt I think is is the most you can say about (laughs) the actual like (laughs) yeah the the issue tackling Mm -hmm. anyway Vanessa being a sensitive literary type has decided she can sell her poems to magazines for money um (laughs) which luckily everyone in the text finds as funny as it is out of the text (laughs) and i also love when vanessa gets annoyed adam is like it's okay we're not laughing at you we're laughing near you (laughs) which i kind of love as a defense (laughs) and also nessa has a sense of humor about that as well so yes yes Um, then Margot thinks that maybe she could get secretarial work after school. <laughs> um, the others are not super keen on that. Um, the triplets decide to start an odd job service called ABJ Incorporated, mm-hmm. um, doing lawn mowing and stuff. And then Nikki is like, I could get a paper route. And apparently the triplets think this is stupid, but Mallory is like, yes, go get a paper route. That's a great idea, Nikki. <laughs> Do you know that bit in The Simpsons where Marge wants to join the police force and they like laugh at her for an extended yes. period and they're like, hey, welcome aboard. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm picturing I'm picturing that sort of thing. So Anna, Anna Martin loves paper routes. Um, there is an issue book outside of the series about autism, which is like, Oh, so problematic. Um, but there is also the older brother of an autistic child who um uh, gets a paper route, and it a paper route is basically how you it's 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 the first 
rung on the ladder towards the American dream as Anne (laughs) (laughs) depicts it, which is not really interrogated here at all. But like, I do kind of love that Nikki has just gone out and done something that is actually like, turns out to be quite plausible and also useful and has like completely (laughs) blown the triplets out of the water. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, this is going to be the first step to him, like breaking away from the family and yes, <gasps> and becoming a journalist. He starts off in the newspaper business. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thus begins his passion for print media. <laughs> um, then, yeah, Byron asks what happens if you don't pay your mortgage, and Mallory's like, I guess the house gets repossessed, and they're like, Oh, that's where homeless people come from. So yeah, Anne is valiantly trying to explain an issue, but like. Yeah. yeah whatever whatever mm-hmm. uh, back in millionaire town um the papadakis kids um <laughs> are being babysat by christy and then um dave and michael and karen are over to visit as well mm-hmm. And they decide to play job agency because themes of the novel and because uh, Karen has seen a job agency on I Love Lucy one time because she does TV watching done right. She only watches 60 sitcoms. Yes. Karen is always in tune with the subconscious of the novel. So yes, whatever she's play acting this week is usually the theme. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they play job agency and... Good times are had. It's not a terrible idea. It sounds kind of no, fun. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah, it, would, yeah, yeah it, it would be fun. Assign people to weird careers when they come in. and Yeah, hmm, why not? I would like Dave that. and Michael takes a job as a chef making toast and chocolate milk. <laughs> and then Christy worries that Mallory's dad might have to stoop to taking a job as a waiter uh, when he had gone to school for his law degree. Oh, yeah, I... I I did kind of enjoy this scene just for like, like Christy sitting at the side, biting her nails, being stressed out because the kids are accidentally <laughs> tapping into something that she's like yeah. preoccupied by. Um, but I mean, it it is well known that you cannot support eight children on a waiter's salary. <laughs> yes. I say salary in inverted commas because it's like, oh no, but the tips are great. Like, <laughs> Yes. Okay. You can support um, eight children on a waiter zero hours contract plus tips either <laughs> yeah yeah but yes there's some unfortunate snobbery about waiter waitering work yes about the hospitality we'll just... industry <laughs> yes yeah anyway um dave and michael and karen want to go over to the delaney's house to swim but the papadakis kids don't like the delaney's the papadakis kids are the moral center of the um the rich neighborhood <laughs> Yes. They're so great. I love them. <laughs> they're very wholesome and they just have no, like, they're, they're like, we're surrounded by wasps and fuck those people. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yes. <laughs> um, they just, yeah, they won't go near them. They won't, they're like, I don't care if they have a pool. And they're the only kids apparently in the neighborhood who actually feel this strongly about it. Yes, they, they take an ethical stance. They are anti-Delaney <laughs> and the pool is not enough to sway them on this. And Hanny is like, it's kind of mean that everyone wants to hang out with the Delaney's for their pool and not for them. Um, if you're going to go over there, you should at least enjoy Max and Amanda's horrible personalities. <laughs> and 
Christy reflects that this is a problem. So she calls to update Mallory on it. That's so funny. I love Hanny. She's, she's just, she's, there's, she, there's no bullshit about her. Yeah. Um, so Mallory is back at the Delaney's house next chapter. She's sitting by the pool in her bathing suit, feeling like a princess. Um, although none of this stuff actually belongs to her, but she's pretending that it's hers. She's like, I was a paid princess. This wasn't my mansion, my fountain, my pool, my lawn, or my tennis courts. And the $400 cat that was dozing on the sun-warmed pavement beside me wasn't mine either. Like, that's the best way to enjoy these things. You don't want to have to have the upkeep on all this shit, Mallory. Yeah, I'm like, sure pool maintenance is a real pain in the ass. <laughs> that's that's why, like, rich people have, like, so many hangers-on. This is, like, read The Great Gatsby, okay? This is how it works. <laughs> yep. Just enjoy the gravy train. It's fine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Be nice to Gatsby, but like, don't don't fall for the bullshit. <laughs> exactly. That's, He's that's, sad on the inside. Yeah, that's that's the the um, takeaway from the Great Gatsby, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Something I read like it. that. Also, don't drink and drive. Oh yeah, that too. I read it every couple of years because it's really short, and I'm like, I don't remember what happened, and I never remember what happened. I know there's like a couple of really big parties in it, and that's it. Like, it's a specific type of amnesia. There's also some drink driving. Um, yes mm. some 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 racism everybody is drunk all the time i think yes yes yeah and it's one of those books where <laughs> everyone's so drunk that you feel kind of queasy after a while reading it <laughs> anyway in less tragic swimming pool news um all the kids are swimming and angie is practicing her diving diligently amanda is floating around on a floaty and reading super fudge by judy bloom because it's time for another book wreck and Mallory is like, I feel something brewing. Yes. <laughs> She's having premonitions, which I'm enjoying yes. this, the way this is written. She's like, something is ha- going to happen. Uh, yeah. And it does. Yeah. <laughs> and it does. Mm-hmm. Um, so Amanda finishes her book and asks Angie to go play. And Angie refuses because she's got a diving meet coming up and she has to practice for it. And then Max says that he wants to go play in the tennis court. And these random, like... NPC boys, Timmy and Hook, say that they don't want to do that. They just want to swim. I think that Angie is pretending to be like an eight-year-old, but is actually just a diminutive Olympian who is like... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, it's like orphan. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She's infiltrated these people. (laughs) She's like, I don't care which of you I have to cozy up to. I just need to practice in the pool. So whatever. (laughs) It seems like a lot of work. Like, you could probably just go to, like, the pool in the Civic Centre. I bet they have a great pool. (laughs) So Mallory says that everyone has to get out of the pool and they can go play and do non-pool stuff if they want to hang out. But Huck, Angie and Timmy all just leave without a word. They are little shits. And this is the second time they've done it as well. Like, why did you invite them over again? (laughs) You know they're crap. Like Amanda is very upset and... Uh, yes, has finally realised that the kids don't actually like her and Max and they're just there for the pool. Mm. And Mallory strokes her hair and reflects on how actually if you were super rich you'd have to worry about this kind of thing all the time. So maybe it's not so bad to just be briefly lower middle class. <laughs> um, then 
Okay, so we've given Mallory a lot of stick before for drawing false equivalencies between her dilemmas and other people's dilemmas, like mm-hmm. how Jesse dealing with racism was basically the same as Mallory not having her pier- her ears pierced. She kind of does it the other way around this time. And she's like, Amanda, you struggling with your millionaire problems is just like me being slightly poor. And I, I bond with you over our shared <laughs> adversity. <laughs> like, at least she's... At least she does this both ways. At yeah. least she's like, she's maximizing someone else's problems and minimizing <laughs> her own because these problems are not the same. She's relating a bit hard. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think um, they both have very temporary problems that have yeah. solutions that are relatively straightforward in the grand scheme of things. So it's not, it's not too bad. The stakes are low. If you read the whole thing in the spirit in which it was intended... <laughs> It's like... When have we ever done that? Rarely. That's not what this podcast is about. But like, let's try it once. (laughs) Just for novelty. The whole thing is basically like, try and like, appreciate people for who they are as opposed to their financial circumstances. And like, be solidaritous to people when their circumstances change. Now, we haven't been given very extreme examples of that no. taking place but we know that's what's intended here so that's i'm 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 trying to be really charitable and you are being really charitable that's very generous of you <laughs> yeah i'm not really saying mallory is the one with real problems here but mallory's problems are more adjacent to a real problem yes mallory's problems are within spitting distance of a real problem <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Like Mallory's problems are just not real problems yet. If her father didn't find a job, they would become real problems. Yes, they would develop into real problems a couple of months down the line. And like, that's absolutely a thing. She doesn't know that they are not yet real problems. Like, Amanda's problem is the the specific thing that people identify as the reason why money isn't all it's cracked up to be beyond the level where you don't have to worry about your finances anymore, which obviously she doesn't because she has a $400 cash. Um, but And a fountain. Like, it's that kind of thing where allegedly very rich people <laughs> struggle <laughs> because life becomes kind of meaningless and weird when you can just have whatever. Um, and she's just experiencing the early throes of that. So, yeah. Yeah. She's having some Gatsby on we. <laughs> yes, she's, she's having a Gatsby moment. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that was going to be the, <laughs> the the cultural touchstone that this book was going to be leaning so hard on but yeah okay well here we are she's sad and she has a swimming pool I mean <laughs> yeah Gatsby is quite nice though I think Gatsby is the actual nicest person in the book as far as I recall that's true actually he's quite personable and Amanda really isn't yeah and he also he made the money and Amanda just inherited it and then held it over everybody so yeah like kind of fuck Amanda to be honest <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah Mallory is nicer than us and she bonds with Amanda and mm-hmm. Uh, suggests that as an experiment she could invite the other kids over but say that they can't swim in the pool when there isn't an adult present that their family has this crazy (laughs) new pool safety rule called doing the bare minimum wow wouldn't that be bonkers (laughs) outrageous it's a pretty clever move by mallory um in like to avoid having to be an unpaid lifeguard on top of everything else (laughs) Yes, she's protecting the Babysitter's Club from a very nasty lawsuit. 
Imagine, just, just to backtrack a little bit, imagine being the Delaney parents and inviting a babysitter over and not warning them, oh, hey, my kids are going to be in the pool all afternoon. You should bring your swimsuit as well. It's just like, I don't She's care. Just, She's not there to have fun. You're, yeah. yeah, no, you're just here to supervise. It's so rude. Or even saying to Christy, we need a babysitter who can swim. Yeah. yeah. That's like fully a thing you could ask of a babysitter who you were hiring from an agency. Like yeah. Christy definitely knows which of her babysitters can swim and which ones have lifeguard training. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. she she has that information at her fingertips. But but the Delaney's don't care. They could even have explained this in the whole thing where Christy is the original sitter, and then it's a last minute switcher. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Like, um, mm-hmm. but they didn't. So well, they nope. didn't. Mm-hmm. That's not this kind of book. Yeah. Nope. This is not one of the th- water safety is not one of the themes of the novel. <laughs> no, or any really level. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, as, as we've discussed, Anne's just not good with water themed novels. <laughs> so Mallory goes home and she reflects on the tenuous similarities between her problems and Amanda's. Um, and she decides that. Uh, so Amanda has decided that she's going to tell off the kids who are just using her for her pool. And Mallory's like, you know what? I should tell off Valerie and the other girls as well. I definitely ought to, like, answer them back Mm -hmm. so she resolves to do this and the next day she is having lunch with jesse in the cafeteria jesse is eating a pizza burger (laughs) which we all had to google to find out what it was it is a burger that you put pizza toppings on (laughs) it doesn't look bad i'm with my husband on this what was it your husband said it's like it seems fine but it seems unnecessary (laughs) like why would you do that not in a horrified like why would you do that in some monstrosity way just in the why would you bother doing it i think because the school budget is gonna require them to serve burgers two days a week and the kids will whine if it's unadorned burgers both times so they're like okay one of the times this week we can put cheese and some pepperoni slices on there and call that it something different. seems entirely valid. This seems like very much uh, like, we have a limited budget and a lot of kids to feed and this is cheap. Counts as cultural diversity because pizza is Italian or something. Exactly. It's not a burger. It's a pizza burger. It's like pizza and a burger. They probably have pizza another day of the week as well. So this is just like... Almost definitely that's three days out of the canteen. Yeah, three days out of the five sorted. We've got pizza day, burger day and pizza burger day. Yeah. And then the other days are like meatloaf and something else. Sloppy Joe's probably. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, the leftover meat from the uneaten burgers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh God, I missed my calling. I should have been a cafeteria lady. <laughs> yeah, you've got this. Lunch Lady Doris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have the voice. I need to start smoking and in about 20 years I'll have the voice down. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's it. Plenty of time for you to get ready for the roll. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, so like, the, um, Jesse's eating a pizza burger and a limp salad. Yes. Okay, so the <laughs> when I read this first, there's so much in these books that like, I had no previous experience of, so I just accepted at face value. So I assumed that a limp salad was a particular type of salad, like a <laughs> Caesar salad or a green salad or a garden salad or something like that. <laughs> um, and I was like, it doesn't sound very appetizing, but then people eat all kinds of stuff. Um, 
you know, that I will need because I'm a picky child. So whatever. Um, like maybe there are specific vegetables that are limper than other types of vegetables. <laughs> so you're like, yeah, no, I'm going to have raw things that you picked off a rock. I hear they're very expensive this week. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, very good, sir. So yeah, maybe it would be normal for somebody to order a limp salad. Um. <laughs> oh, wait. So did you think they were limpets? No, I thought they were limp. I'm just thinking more about, yeah, like on the face of it, oysters are not a thing that anyone would eat. Or should, yeah. Because you don't cook them and also sometimes they're going to make you sick. <laughs> like, and sometimes. also they look like that. <laughs> they, that is true. Um, and people are like, oh, it's an aphrodisiac. Like, it, 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 only if you're being very misogynist and also yuck. <laughs> Or if grey goo is your kink. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 there are very few less sexy foods. <laughs> Any food. I would find like a cheese sandwich eaten in a seductive enough manner. Yes. <laughs> Far nicer than that. somebody eating an oyster. Frankly, they wouldn't even have to eat the, the cheese sandwich in a seductive manner. Like it's already streets ahead of oysters. Like, yes. Like, I don't even like cheese, but I would like... Look, me trying desperately not to gag on terrible rubbery grey shellfish versus me unenthusiastically chewing a cheese sandwich. (laughs) Dorothy. Yeah. Like, neither of those is sexy, but one of those is less gross than the other. You could do a taste test on the OnlyFans. I mean, I think that's what we're going to have to (laughs) do. No, no one's making anyone eat an oyster. Um, no, I'm, I, I would not eat an oyster, not even for the OnlyFans, sorry. <laughs> there is probably an amount of money that would induce me to eat an oyster, but like, it had better buy a car. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't enjoy it. Actually, I have eaten a fried oyster, which seems like a like a sensible, normal way to cook stuff you got out of the sea. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> not to just like consume it raw, like... Like a homo habilis. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm probably maligning homo habilis here. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know. I have no idea. <laughs> no, I think homo habilis probably got down with raw shellfish. <laughs> but they did cook some stuff. <laughs> I was going to say, what does the anthropologist have to say about this? <laughs> they cooked their meat. Yes, he was... Fair play it, They... They were tool users, so they had the ability to, I don't know, maybe they were as snooty, who knows. <laughs> okay, anyway, oysters are so far from what was actually being discussed here. I don't even know what oh Pizza burger. Pizza burger and limp salad. <laughs> Both of which sound better than oysters. So anyway, they're talking about their... um. They're gross food. Mallory is sadly eating a lunch from home. Which again, yeah, this is not the face of deprivation. The face of deprivation would be like, Mm -hmm. she's getting a free lunch from the government and that's why she gets stigmatized. But these kids are just bullying her for the specter of maybe one day she'll become poor. She can't afford the free lunch from the government and they're making fun of her for that. Like, that's a whole bunch of things that don't Carly. But you know, that's the, the whole, yeah, the system. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bringing a lunch from home is not, like, tragic. No. Uh, no. Marianne does that, like, as her standard thing, because she prefers And so it. does Dawn. Yeah. Because she eats sprout sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think even Jessie is just like, oh, I'll eat the school lunch, because whatever. 
Um, it's yeah. not that, yeah. I quite like that Jesse is eating the school lunch and isn't eating some kind of ballerina special made up of just the limp salad. <laughs> yes. yes. I'm yes. glad she's getting some like fats in there. Like, you enjoy I'm, I'm... that pizza burger, Jesse. You have earned it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And you wouldn't have had to earn it. You can just enjoy it. Yes. That is true. Yes. Yes. No, I mean, she's just earned it emotionally through like suffering. You also <laughs> don't have to earn your food emotionally through suffering. You just get to eat it as many times a day as you need to. Or want to. Ballerinas need fats and proteins too. <laughs> yes. Karen, can I ask you a favour? Not to bang my hand on the desk. Yes. Well, you can do it when you're not making a point because then I can cut it out. But if you do it while you're talking, then I have to leave it in. Esther, can I ask you to respect my creative process? <laughs> you can ask. <laughs> okay, I'll try I'll try not to bang my hand. Um yeah, it's thank you. I appreciate that. Taken. I know okay, it's hard. <laughs> so Mallory is telling Jesse that basically she wants to deliver a crushing monologue to the mean girls to put them in their place. And while they're planning how to make this happen, she realizes that the mean girls are literally being mean about her a couple of feet away. So she's like, okay, bitches, it's crushing monologue time. (laughs) So she rants at them about how much they suck and that they're prejudiced and that they're not her real friends, so she doesn't care what they think. And also her dad got made redundant and not fired. So there. (laughs) I love that, though. Where it's like, um, now, first of all, he was made redundant. And second of all, it's none of your business. (laughs) Yes. I would be the same, not out of like shame that they thought he'd be fired, but just like, I I must correct people who are wrong. Yes. I must. You've got your facts wrong. Even if it undermines any other point I'm trying to make. He was fired for gross negligence, I'll have you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's so hard to reconcile the whole it's none of your business. And also I need to set the record straight. I need to do both these things right now. Yes. Like, yes. It isn't any of your business. And so I want you to know that it's a special favour that I'm doing you by <laughs> telling you that you're wrong. <laughs> you're welcome, bitches. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So they're very gratifyingly gobsmacked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They just stare at her open-mouthed and... Mallory is delighted with this outcome. She says that Rachel and Valerie will probably never talk to her again, but they also won't make fun of her. And that's good enough. It's a very good monologue. No, she did great. Like, that that was actually very satisfying. It was yeah. good yes. to read. And, yeah. Like, in, in the school we went to in Dublin, which was pretty good school in a lot of aspects, but I do feel like like a beautifully turned out monologue like that could just be undercut by literally one person going your ma as you turn your back and walk away in a dignified manner like that's all that needed to happen (laughs) yeah or just like makes a fart noise in their armpit and like does not matter what you said (laughs) previously much like being on the internet nowadays (laughs) one troll can ruin everything faster than like you can build it in 50 years so (laughs) exactly Um, Thankfully, they they are suitably chastened, which doesn't happen, but okay. No, yes. it's, yeah. it's nice that it did in the book. Yeah. They're 11. They don't know about saying you're mad to demolish someone. <laughs> they didn't grow up in Dublin. If they were in Dublin, they would have known at 11. Yeah, they would have. <laughs> Further in Mean Girl news, um, Amanda has invited everyone round for an afternoon of non-swimming, <laughs> and everyone turned up except for Angie. And... Mm. 
they've decided that that's no great loss because they actually don't like Angie. So (laughs) she seems really old and like she has that (laughs) trainer with her all the time. (laughs) I don't think she's actually a child. (laughs) And also she keeps taking steroids. That's a bit weird, right? (laughs) Kind of (laughs) off-putting. So the kids have lots of fun and then Amanda reflects that now that she has established who her real friends are, she actually does want to swim with them again. (laughs) So she's going to revise the rule about no swimming without adult supervision, at which I breathe a deep sigh and hope nobody dies. Mm. (sighs) And they don't because this is a book and the author has decided that nobody should die. Because she doesn't know about water. It feels like a very easy set of babysitting advice from Anne M. Martin about yeah. like swimming pool etiquette. Yeah, it would have been great if Anne had thrown in some helpful babysitting advice about swimming pool safety and she just fully does not. And I guess people were just real cavalier about it in 1990. Mm-hmm. You know, pet or drowned if duffers, if not duffers won't drown. Some <laughs> <laughs> swallow snap sods. Oh my god. I've not read it. Telegram. They write to their dad to go, can we go sailing and camp on the island in the lake? <laughs> and their dad sends a telegram back. Dad's in the Navy's off at sea. Says, better drowned if duffers. If not, duffers won't drown. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the Delaney stance. Maybe they're like old money naval types. Yeah. I, the, the 1930s was famous for its um, health and safety awareness. <laughs> <laughs> And it's sensitive parenting techniques. I assume it's the 30s, I could be wrong. Yeah, it is. It's it's, it's 30s, maybe early 40s, yeah. Oh, we just guessed. <laughs> yeah, 30s, I think. Uh, very good. So next chapter uh, is a Jessie chapter. She is... Aunt Cecilia has left Jessie in charge of Becca and Squirt, much to Jessie's delight. Mm. And they're sitting around eating fig newtons and living their best lives. But Becca feels guilty because Vanessa can't have Fig Newtons. Mm-hmm. Um, we've not established if Vanessa would like a Fig Newton or not. Um, I, I, I love an elf fig roll myself, but I know they're quite a contentious biscuit. <laughs> but Becca reveals that Vanessa is actually making money, although the poetry hustle has not paid off. <laughs> but she has now branded herself Miss Vanessa and is styling hair on the playground for the other girls. <laughs> Why not? Which is adorable. <laughs> Do you know... Even Anne of Green Gables struggled to sell, like, her literature to magazines, as is well recorded, at peak people buying magazines to read the literature in them. Um, But, like, coiffures never go out of style or, like, demand. I'm also... People will always want hairstyles. Glad that I'm not the only person who read uh, Sell My Poems to a magazine and thought of Anne of Green Gables. Yes, exactly. I thought of Joe March, <laughs> but like, yeah. Also valid. I think Joe was more into short stories, which is why I thought of Anne. Well, yes, that's true. Um, but I think Vanessa has read both of these books. <laughs> the magazine industry is not handing out the big books these days or in the 80s as far as I can <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, Vanessa was hoping that, like, she could sell it to the Christian Science <laughs> Monitor or something. Godie's Ladies book. I'm going to sell it to the Huffington Post. <laughs> See, they have a poetry page. <laughs> could you rewrite this as a listicle? <laughs> 
If Vanessa is wise, she'll say yes. Yes, I can. (laughs) Yes, you've got to adapt. The world is changing. (laughs) Jesse and Becca decide that it's too bad that everyone has been bullying the Pike kids. So Mm -hmm. she will invite Vanessa over to play uh, in the hopes that this will cheer her up. Mm -hmm. And then Vanessa teaches them to play SAs, which is Secret Agents which is the game where they used to spy on their French neighbours until their French neighbours left town. (laughs) Uh, Vanessa cheerfully offers to teach Becca to play this and Jessie, very sensibly, is like, please don't spy in the neighbours' windows, they won't like that. (laughs) And please don't tell me anything else about this game. I don't want to know. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Most sensibly of all, she was like, don't go looking at people's windows, do not tell me what you're actually doing. (laughs) Yeah, I want plausible deniability. (laughs) Yes, it will be my problem if I know. It turns out what they mostly do is spy on Jessie while she helps Squirt practice walking up and down the stairs for hours. Which is very low stakes. Also, if Squirt's favourite game is currently walking up and down the stairs with all the speed of a one-year-old, then that's why Aunt Cecilia has got the fuck out of the house for the afternoon. (laughs) She's like, I'm going to the mall. (laughs) Yes, I hope she's getting a mani-pedi. I have important shopping to do. You can yes. be in charge, Jessie. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. She's not got any excuse. She's just like, I'm going to the mall. I will pay someone to mind these children while I'm not here. It'll be good for my niece, who's already got kind of a chip on her shoulder about this. Yeah, it's great. Everyone wins. Yeah. <laughs> have some responsibility. I'm going to get measured for a bra. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I might eat a pretzel. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> yes. I'm going to drink a whole coffee while it's still hot, you guys. (laughs) Then Vanessa um, comes home and there's an awkward shift to Mallory's POV as they observe their dad rush to answer Mm. a phone call. (gasps) And it's the vice president of something called MetroWorks. (laughs) who wants Mr. Pike to come in for a job interview because he likes his resume and got a good recommendation from his old boss. And they're very excited, but they are told not to get their hopes up. It's such a great name for a company. It's it's (laughs) like both totally unspecific and vaguely sci-fi. Like it sounds (laughs) a little bit Blade Runner. (laughs) Yeah, it could be literally anything from like mining to maglev trains. Yeah, it could be anything. It does sound like it's like mining a maglev planes are both very like engineering y though. It does kind of sound engineering y. Yeah. Like it could be software engineering, but it's still engineering. Like it's not a healthcare company. No. Or a bakery. Maybe it's a publishing company. Or a law firm, which is what he worked in before. I think is Mallory's dad the one they had the conversation about how he uh, does corporate law, not sort of yeah. lawyer where he stands in a, in a courtroom and yells at someone. Yeah, so it's not a law. So he doesn't work for a law firm. He works. No, he's a company lawyer. Oh my God, he's going to be defending them when they pollute everything. Yeah. And <laughs> like they destroy the, the ecology of Greenpoint Island and he's going to be the one who gets them off on a yeah. technicality. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, mostly what they do is reread contracts, but yeah, is reread contracts <laughs> to make sure that they work. But yeah, he's that kind of lawyer. So yeah, yeah. so he's not employed by a, law, by a law firm. He's going to be the person who checks when senior management are me tooed to see how serious <laughs> the situation is. So, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. 
And it's just trying to drag out the like suspense here, but also we get a realistically stressful few days where mm. Mr. Pike has to do three tiers of job interviews mm-hmm. to find out if he's getting his job or not. But he gets the job. Yeah. And <sighs> they're all delighted. Claire can mm-hmm. get her skipper doll. Um they're gonna have a nice family dinner to celebrate and dad threatens to make cabbage squash and brussels sprouts <laughs> uh, <laughs> which adam threatens to blow cookies <laughs> and their mom is not impressed with his picturesque turn of phrase i remember that phrase um can i can i jump in with a bit that i really liked where um uh mallory is complaining about the multiple interview process and her dad who's now in good form because things are going well says maybe they like to torture prospective employees um and she says, are you sure you want a job at a place that tortures its workers? Uh, and he says, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Um, and I remember that specifically. But the bit that I really love is Mallory saying, I had to call Christy to ask her what that means. Christy's stepfather is the king of cliches. <laughs> She's like, I have to... Christy, go and ask Watson about this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I need a consult. <laughs> and I love the fact that Christy knows the answer. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, I kind of picture her also checking in with Watson, <laughs> too, which is even more fun. Like, <laughs> Hey, Watson, I've got a fusty turn of phrase to run past you. God, yeah. I learned so many fusty turns of phrases <laughs> and things <laughs> just from these books. Yes. Okay. So the family gets together. They're very happy. They eat in the dining room on fancy china, eating hamburgers, not pizza burgers this time. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of debrief about the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. Mallory explains about the Pike Club and about how everyone has been earning money and about how everyone was so worried that the house would get repossessed. And her dad is like, oh yeah, also there's a thing called severance pay. And like, mm-hmm. I've been getting paid this whole time. Sorry, you didn't actually have to worry about any of this. Uh, it's grand, you guys. And I can't believe they told the kids that he lost his job and did not tell them that his income was still guaranteed for a while after. (laughs) I think they just didn't expect them to feel obliged to do anything about it. The bit that doesn't hang together for me is that in this conversation, it's clear that they have been actually handing over their earnings to the parents. Uh Yeah. And and the parents have been accepting them. And it's just now that they're saying, oh, by the way, though, um, like... We this didn't need that money. Could have happened. Like maybe they do need it. Maybe the severance pay is only just, you know, a percentage. Maybe, maybe they're like, oh, that's great. Thank you for this money. We're going to put it in a savings account. You yeah, know? I was going to say maybe yeah. they just put the money aside. Going, well, this is the junk food and skipper dolls money. Then that that yeah. is going to yeah. go to. That's going to go there <laughs> so that we can give it back to them when they need something. Although yeah. the twins did have to miss. I mean, they were cutting out and things like the twins. Yeah. I mean, they were anticipating, yeah, like that they would that they were saving. They were yeah, what they're spending. So yeah, that they, they were probably just putting it aside and ready to hand it back to them. But like, yeah, they they the parents clearly had evidence that the kids were concerned and taking action yeah. about this money thing. So they, it really would have been nice if they told them about this everance they pay. Should have yes, That's yeah. Maybe it's like we don't. We've got a degree of compliance, so let's just... They're being <laughs> really quiet. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. They keep yeah, washing the are out of the house all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Good They're point. They're constructive. Okay, yeah, no, I think we've solved this conundrum. <laughs> this mystery. Yeah. Okay, yeah, climate of fear is the way to go. 
there's eight of them if it works we do it yeah yeah might try that to be honest what they've learned <laughs> and what work. they what tell your kids that you and brian might be losing your jobs <laughs> they need to pull their weight with something terrifying <laughs> <laughs> They reflect about what they've learned and how much money they've made and Nikki has made more money than the triplets and <laughs> the triplets are suitably chastened and Mallory kicks Adam under the table for being rude about it. I don't know that they're chastened. I think they're pissed off that yeah. Nikki has beat them <laughs> well, at this yeah. financial challenge. <laughs> Which is funny. Mm. I love it. Good for Nikki. They deserve it. Um... And everyone is very polite about Miss Vanessa's hairstyling business. <laughs> and Adam tries to insult her by saying, maybe Vanessa will own a beauty school when she grows up. Like, like that's not the sick burn that you think it is. That's like a perfectly legitimate career path. Mm-hmm. Like, troll better, Adam. I mean, uh, Mallory kicks him again. It's fully in keeping with their, like, misogynist outlook, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Like, it's the... um. Oh, beauty is so frivolous. Unlike spying, that's what real men do. <laughs> yeah. We're going to uncover the truth of courgettes or, you know, concealed nuclear weapons that we think the neighbours really have. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Vanessa is just not as high-minded as these guys. <laughs> um, Then the girls celebrate everything turning out okay with a sleepover at the Pike House, which is the first time they've done that. So they're sleeping down in the rec room and they're eating hoagie sandwiches that her dad bought and brought home from work mm. because he's making the big bucks now. <laughs> um, then Adam, the serious minded entrepreneur, turns up with a slime gun and <laughs> starts shooting the girls with it. Um, so Mallory like complains to her dad and he menacingly promises to see to things, <laughs> which I liked. Yes. I also like his solution to this problem, which is pretty good. <laughs> which is delightful, which is that he finds the gun and gives it to Mallory and is like, I think you know what to do with this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which I love. And yeah, absolutely. The triplets need more being dealt with like this. Yes. Mm. Um. Yes. Then Mallory tells us that uh, Rachel and Valerie wanted to come to the party and she told them to fuck off, uh, which is great. This is Very some satisfying. real wish fulfillment that like I know the people who have wronged you then want you to favor them. That just yeah. that has not happened in my experience but like wow it would be so great. Um because yes. one of them rang up and was like, "Oh, I know we haven't been friends lately, but can I come to your party?" And Mallory's like, "No." <laughs> I know. It's so satisfying. It's like, nice to have it in a book. That is the dream. Then they decide to prank call the mean girls. Um so Marianne does Logan's pig farm prank call that we've seen before. Have we? I think we have, yeah, haven't we? I don't remember this happening before. I think, and also there's so much space given to this, I think it's the first time. Oh, okay. Um, um, I think I guess I, it just seemed familiar because I remember it from reading this book in the past. Like I said, there was like a lot of bits in this one that stuck with me. So yeah, I guess that's it. It's very elaborate. Yes. So it is. Yeah, Mallory calls up in uh in a Logan Bruno accent. Marianne and, does. Yeah, sorry, yes. Marianne calls up in a Logan Bruno accent mm -hmm. and says that she's from Atlanta Pig Farm and that she has two hundred piglets to deliver. 
uh, to Janet <laughs> and um, proceeds to then like milk this for like quite a while yes. uh, while Janet is like frantically saying that she didn't order 200 piglets and Marianne consciously deploys her whole crying thing amazing. and says that she's going to get fired from her job mm. in the Atlanta pig farm if Janet won't take delivery of these piglets uh, <laughs> which is delightful and I think the best prank call we've seen in these books it, yes. yeah this requires some acting skills I'm slightly like hmm at the comment that says a southern accent seemed to be crucial to a pig farm call like <laughs> yeah mm, Mm. I'm pretty sure they have farms in New England, like yeah, with pigs, almost certainly. Yeah, pigs are really mm-hmm. not dependent on there being hot weather. No, or the availability of I don't know, like country and western music, <laughs> <laughs> Republican political representatives. I don't know. I think they have those up north too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um yeah it's just it's just a bit weird um but yes no Ma- marianne has some good acting chops by the sound of it this would be very difficult to pull off without the person on the other end getting annoyed with you and like hanging up i actually tried this on a friend after reading about it and it fell extremely flat and it did not work um i yeah. rang foolishly rang my best friend and she was like esther why are you putting on this weird voice <laughs> <laughs> I I think they have strategically deployed somebody that Janet doesn't know (laughs) for good reason (laughs) oh Um, yeah like prank phone calls never worked out the way you watched them too it was just a rule it's very frustrating Mm -hmm. and that's that we leave on Mallory setting off to slime her brothers and then they have a good sleepover and she has a great night's sleep which is very unrealistic i have a tween she has sleepovers nobody gets a great night's sleep that's not a thing that happens i mean they sleep soundly but for far too few hours yes and everything is back to normal through the power of like general forms of privilege um (laughs) yeah yeah um yep and like friendship conquers all basically Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um this book is very fashion light for a Mallory book. Mm. There is almost nothing to go in the fashion report except for when she's describing everyone. Mm. We get a couple of like sample sample outfits. Here's what Claudio would wear. Uh wild clothes like big hats, flowered vests over long shirts that belong to her father and which she leaves untucked. Short black pants, mm. and then something just a little offbeat like penny loafers from the 1950s with white bobby socks. And handmade jewellery, uh, including a monkey earring in one ear and a banana in the other. And that is amazing. And I mm. I really, really want that. <laughs> I want that so much. We'll have to buy you two sets of earrings, but it can be done, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All we get for evidence of how cool Stacy is is that she likes to wear sparkly nail polish. Mm. Which seems very, very tame. But we do know that Mallory lives in a weird household where they're not allowed to have things that sparkle, so... <laughs> yeah, glitter is too sexy or something. And that's literally the entire hmm. fashion of this book. Um, I was I was disappointed by that. Yeah, Mallory was a bit occupied with other things. Yeah, she was busy. Yeah, but it's Mallory. Normally, she always finds time to whine about fashion, but like, yeah, there's no budget for fashion in this book. Yeah. 
I can see how someone writing a book about the serious financial issues TM might be like, oh, it's a bit tasteless to talk about fashion. But actually, it would be more effective if you were fixated on stuff. like Yes, because and, Mallory yeah. really cares about her clothes. And like, she just in passing is like, oh, well, this sucks. I guess we can't get new clothes for a while. Mm-hmm. But like, I think it would be very realistic for her to be like, oh no, I was just starting to dress cool and now I'm not going to be able to dress cool anymore and this is yes. so embarrassing and I hate this. That's a really good point, actually. I mean, her dad is unemployed for what seems like about two weeks, so... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's an issue you could have with the entire book. Like- <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, all of the actual impacts are still are the kids anticipating, so, you know. Yes. yes. They're, they're, it's very... What if bad things might happen? Mm-hmm. And then the bad things don't happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's nice, nice for them. them. It's not great for the book. It's not a good book for, yeah, for explaining these things. I mean, it is for what it is, which is that you don't ever get beyond that the bad things don't tend to happen in these books. No. I think the best um, way to read this is as sometimes your friends have a crisis and you should be nice to them. Yes. Yeah. That's it. It's strong on friendship. It is weak on gritty poverty. Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> yeah. Karen, I have a question for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> hang on. I have to ask the question. You don't know what it's going to be. Yeah, no, a musical intro and everything. I'll be very surprised at what it is, definitely. Okay. Is everyone terrible in this book? Is everyone? Um, no, every obviously everyone isn't. Um, now who's terrible? Uh, so Angie, <laughs> our um yes. incognito Olympic gymnast. That's, yeah, that's all pretty shady. Um, I don't. She uh, sucks. Yes, I don't approve of Angie. Um, and the the random bad guys who we never heard of before. Um, but have shown up for the first time, including two yep. people who were allegedly Mallory's friends who we've never heard before as well, but apparently also like surely someone would have been like, Oh, Mallory and Valerie, haha, that rhymes, but no, no, <laughs> we don't know about Valerie. Um No. They're pretty terrible. Um yeah. they get a comeuppance. That's pretty good. Uh the Delaney's have a little bit of nuance. That's interesting. Yeah, I they suppose. have a bit of an arc. Because they've been terrible before and <laughs> terrible rich people and now they're like now they're terrible rich people with rich people problems. They have the capacity to feel pain. <laughs> yes. A, a very important lesson for all of us to learn is that sometimes <laughs> rich people also have problems. <laughs> um, uh, Mr. Pike is not terrible, but maybe, yeah, the, it's good to have the whole balance of labour um, uh, elucidated slightly in that household. Mis- uh, Mr. Pike yeah. is not his best self. Yeah. No, I was pretty impatient with him in this. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he's not full on terrible, but he's not good. All these people who are really fixated on um somebody losing their job, which apparently just happens all the time to people in America and is fine. Um, They're pretty terrible. That's freedom. That's called freedom. Yes. <laughs> the freedom for your employers to fire you. Good times. <laughs> and, and cut you off from your, your healthcare. Um, so, uh... <laughs> You said before that I wasn't allowed to say that the cis-hetero patriarchy was terrible. Um, so I guess I'm also not allowed to say... I didn't say you weren't allowed to say that. I, I 
I wholeheartedly agree with it. I'm just saying it's terrible in every book. So we can take that as read. I'm not, yeah. oh my God, don't take this out of context and say that I told you you had to defend the cis heteropatriarchy. <laughs> Are you trying to get me cancelled? Cancelled. And then Esther said that I had to defend the cis heteropatriarchy. <laughs> and then she said that capitalism was actually great. <laughs> and then I have to do an apology video where I'm like, Karen took my words out of context, but nobody's going to believe that. And there's always going to be this cloud over me. What did I do to deserve this, Karen? Anyway, <laughs> uh, in some... Uh, nah, most people are grand. <laughs> <laughs> our next book should have been uh, super special number five California Girls but we actually have discussed that already on the podcast Babysitter's Book Club uh, that episode came out on the 8th of October last year uh, it is three and a half hours of good times and exhaustive discussion of California Girls so we decided not to do an episode on that on our own show because there is nothing we could physically say about that book that we didn't say then we we, we really said everything then uh, we had so much fun recording that episode uh, so definitely go give that a listen it was a lot of fun yeah if you find that like two hours of us every couple of weeks isn't enough for you, this episode was almost four hours long. <laughs> so yes. you're going to love it. If you've got this far, you should just go and listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you like to hear us yammering, it's got the most of us yammering that anything has ever had. So much yammering. <laughs> so we will be next heading straight to BSU number 40, Claudia and the Middle School Mystery. Uh, so join us for that um, in the meantime hit us up on the social uh, we are on Twitter as at Podcast Dawn we are on Facebook Instagram and Tumblr as the podcast at Dawn's House you can send us an email at the podcast at Dawn's House at gmail.com and I'm not going to ask you to send money to our Kofi Anan, but <laughs> I'm just going to say that it exists and leave it at that Um and oh yes we got some fan mail actually oh, yes. uh, because somebody has been pondering one of the things that has been driving particularly Karen up the walls uh, Karen while I dig up the email do you want to outline what our problem is what was this about I'm drawing a blank the the unrealistic uh, developmental uh, the unrealistic developmental uh, stage of the Perkins girls yeah okay yeah so we the per perkins girls are mary sue's and it's driving us mad except... they're hyper competent yes except, yeah. uh, and my own kids don't um break out in show tunes uh, spontaneously <laughs> <laughs> very often that's a feature not a bug Karen. <laughs> yes we got an email from shelly um who says that i know that you guys are always saying don't add us but i wanted to offer a plausible explanation for the person for the Perkins girls and their precocity that you talked about in the last episode. The Perkins family is based on, named after Anne's real life best friend, Beth Perkins, named McKeever. They grew up together and she's a lot like Christy, whereas Anne is a lot like Marianne. Beth got married and started having kids as Anne was writing the BSC. And so she named the Perkins family after them and gave them the three real life names of the girls. Karen's witch was originally dedicated to Laura, the newest Perkins, and I think other books mention them in her dedications. Anyways, my hypothesis is that while obviously the real Perkins girls grew up to do things, sing songs, bake, memorize things, act, the Perkins girls in the books did not. At perpetually a baby, two and a half and four and a half, 
They started off similar to the real Perkins girls, and then the real girls grew up and Anne still wanted to incorporate some of their talents or adventures. It would make sense that they kept all seeming older than they were in the books because they grew older in real life. I don't have a source on that or anything, just something I was thinking when I listened to your last podcast. Keep up the great work. I'm a self-proclaimed I'm a self-proclaimed BSC fanatic and I like your podcast a lot. Thank you. Have a great day. So we are we were delighted to get this. We're delighted that someone has put as much thought into this as we have and actually, unlike us, come up with like productive theories as a result. Uh this sounds extremely plausible, I think. Esther, I had the worst creeping sense of fear as you read that that Shelley is actually Anna Martin writing <laughs> under a pseudonym. It's like, when did she ever give this degree of detailed information about people she knew as a child? <laughs> what the heck? How did she know that they grew up to be ba- good bakers? Ah, oh no. It's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> Shelley provided links. She said she has links to Facebook posts and other interviews where Anne has talked about these things. Okay. Shelley has backed us up with sources. (laughs) We've said so many speculative things about Anne. (laughs) Who I, you know, I really respect and I enjoyed her work a lot. But, you know, sometimes I like to pretend she's a monster, which she really super isn't. Um, ah, Okay. (laughs) Talk me down. (laughs) I, I'm like 99% sure that Anna Martin is not emailing us pretending to be <laughs> one of her own fans. I think she's probably got better things to be doing and Shelley probably exists. Shelley, if you exist, thank you so much for your email. Thank you, uh, we, we loved it. We really appreciate it. <laughs> That's all for today. Uh, join us next time. Um, remember to subscribe and rate and review in your podcast app and tell all your friends about us. And in conclusion, I would just like you all to remember the really important lesson of this book, which is that rich people have problems too. Anyway, sorry, this is really academic. Okay, let's try this again. This has been our pedantry break. (laughs) (laughs) How is that distinct from the rest of the podcast? Point. There's the OnlyFans content. Uh, did you did you you mean the bit where you ate chocolate that was stuck to your husband's arm? No, I meant the bit where my boob was visible. I didn't even notice that because I saw you eating the chocolate. Well, I, was, I literally ate a bar of chocolate, a little bit of it fell onto his arm. Oh, I thought it was Rick. You're aggressively heterosexual. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. Oh right, that she didn't even notice my boob. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah. Damn, these have never looked so good. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. Uh, they're they're very nice. <laughs> I can't help it if I'm distracted by chocolate when there are boobs around. I mean, somebody has to be straight. It's fine. <laughs>